On this episode of NC Raw, Brian Canellan joins the podcast to share his inspirational story of recovery, both from substance use disorder and then also a, a severe health scare that he had that was related to a substance use disorder. Caleb was unable to make it to the podcast this week. He has some things going on in his life. So we invited Ginger Malcolm back to kind of fill in for him as she's closely connected to Brian and his story. Had some major takeaways from this, uh, obviously, to be in a position that Brian was in and to overcome some of the limitations that the doctors had placed on his uh, physical abilities is just super inspirational. But also, like, kind of reflect, reflecting back on the conversation, something that really stuck with me is that we don't have to get to that such a deep um, point of despair to, to decide it's time to change. So hope you guys enjoy his story and enjoy the podcast. Give it up for Brian Canellan. The opinions expressed in this podcast are the views of the NCR team and the individuals interviewed. We do not consider ourselves to be mental health professionals. Our mission is to explore the various pathways to recovery and to give a voice to those affected by or involved in the care of substance use disorders. Some content may be mature for younger audiences. Viewer discretion is advised. Ginger Malcolm, welcome back to NC Raw. That's right. Thanks for having me, as always. Yeah, this is like um, your what third or fourth time yeah. on the podcast yep i'm streaming the dream streaming the dream <laughs> and you brought somebody special with you tonight oh huh? yeah i did i did i did i did who you got with you um this is brian and i met him um well i made myself meet him does that make sense <laughs> you yeah know how we actually do it? okay go on I'll, i'm gonna go finish ahead? that sentence in a second but okay. go ahead okay so um i was in a recovery meeting and i had just shared and um so I see I hear this kid sharing across the room and it's a big room and I start listening to his story and I'm like oh my god like are you serious like um he's come back from a massive overdose you know and um um so he's sharing about that and his fears and what it was like waking up and everything and then um 
like he beats all these medical limitations like um his story becomes limitless you know what i'm saying and he's talking about how so many people have put all these prognoses and diagnoses and limitations on what his outcome was going to be and what his body was going to be like and what he was going to be like after this event in his life and and like he beat all the odds and all the obstacles and and i was like i've got to get this guy i've got to i've got to get him talking to the kids i've got to get him going and and meeting with um um, with students and teenagers to see what I mean this was like the raw real deal like they had to hear the story and um so I you know wanted to connect him to some people and uh before I left uh, job corps I wanted to bring him out there to talk to the students but then things changed you know I went back to Asheville to work and um which I would like to say I work for Windcap now and they're amazing if you need testing or clean syringes or you're still in active addiction, we're there to just love on you, even if you don't think you need to be loved on right now. Um, and so he just has a powerful story that I think really needs to be shared and people need to realize like how real it gets in our addiction, but how amazing recovery begins to heal us you know, piece by piece, bit by bit, one day at a time, one step at a time. And that's truly his story. So who is it? So is it? Who is it? Brian. Brian. Hey guys, my name's Brian. Appreciate to be on the podcast. Yeah, thanks for coming over, brother. Accepting the invitation. All yeah, the things course, I can't course, say his course, last name right, so he's gonna have to Canellan. say. Canellan. Canellan. Good job. Canellan. Good job. I can't say it. I was too That's scared. To go. I was like, I'm not doing. I'm not butchering it. I had a month of practice. So yeah, I'm, I'm not butchering it, and and uh, so I was like, I'm gonna let him have that. I gotta tell you, Brian. All the things that Ginger just described about you and about your story—that's exactly how she approached me. Uh, well, a month or so ago, and she's like, "Listen, you have got to get this guy on the podcast. Like, his story is just so powerful. We have to share it with your audience and kind of talk about that." So, mm-hmm. I met with Johnny Kennedy today. Oh yes, <laughs> this morning. Yes, I meant to ask you about that. Yeah. That's so awesome. I had coffee with Johnny, Caitlin, and, and Caleb are tomorrow. Yeah, yeah. And uh, the first thing I asked him when he sat down at the table, I was like, "How did you meet Ginger?" How do you know, Ginger? (laughs) And he told me a story uh, very similar to the story that you just kind of described with the way you met Brian, where he was like walking into some place and he saw you kind of kind of giving him the the look like, who the heck is this dude showing up here? And he was like, she made me feel so uncomfortable. I just had to introduce myself to her because I didn't know what to say. Oh my god! I hope he doesn't get mad for me. No, he's that. not but gonna get mad. He was like, she was just staring me down, like, like, who is this guy? Who is this guy? He's like, I felt so uncomfortable. I just had to walk up to her and introduce myself and tell her what I'm doing. <laughs> I was like, what is he? Because we were having a syringe exchange meeting in a in a in a. Buncombe County and it's a meeting that we have at three o'clock and my manager Tracy Childs wasn't there and um and then my cohort you know um had went out to clean the property you know what I'm saying so I'm just like sitting here with all his stuff and so I can't move and I can't go anywhere but the meeting's in in the other room and he's standing there like he's looking waiting on somebody you know what I'm saying and I'm like are you waiting on something like what you got going on over there? Yeah. And then he started talking. And of course I was like, I jumped right on that. That's going to be an amazing project. Brian's going to be a part of that too. Awesome. Yeah. I'm looking forward Mm -hmm. to talking with him more. I I definitely committed to being a part of the project and Mm -hmm. 
offering to help and yeah I meant to I ask can, him so. and I told him that you know I wanted to give him that facet of you because my story is uh, my story is different than Caitlin and Caleb's but my belief system is the same and they too started out through 12 step you know and and um so as well as Brian but I just like to bring so many different angles to the story especially when you're doing what he's doing yeah he, he was really interested in like NC Raw like this mm-hmm. the concept of recovery always and you know, we should have had him come out here uh, it, it'll probably happen at some point yeah. it'll probably happen but then he was like the first so I kind of like gave him like uh, my elevator speech of like kind of who I am and what mm-hmm. I do and like the first thing he asked me was like well what what exactly is Buddhist recovery so Brian what you been up to this summer man oh man just hanging out uh trying to get my life in order yeah you know um trying to do whatever I can do uh with my limitations that i had i mean my summer was pretty limited <laughs> yeah uh up till about about a week ago okay you know um awesome. so got my cast off my arm uh-huh. so uh i've pretty much been summer summer list yeah, minus yeah. sweating in a cast and uh-huh. uh stuff like that but it's been a great summer though i mean i'm alive that's all you time. that's all you can so, ask for man yeah i can totally relate uh when i rolled into the summer I had all these big plans. I'm going to go home to Florida. I'm going to visit the fam. I'm going to go fishing. I'm going to do some hiking. I'm going to get outdoors. I didn't do any of that. <laughs> I didn't do any of that Life stuff. shows <laughs> up. For real. For um, real. We get our life back. Yeah, like just doing the show and like getting like all the structure and organization to like the like business side of this thing mm-hmm. and like getting um, everything in order to like move forward. It literally consumed all my time. However, the good news is that last week, Saturday, was my last week as a full-time employee at my old job. Whoop, whoop, what? No, you didn't. Yes, I did. And so Wednesday is my first day as a full-time student back in the program, hoping to finish up this next two semesters and graduate. You just took a huge leap of faith, didn't you? And so to be a full-time student and work on NC raw full-time mm-hmm. I'm gonna I am still gonna be working like one or two days a week mm-hmm. um, as little as possible mm-hmm. but I do need you know a little bit of income to mm-hmm. to, to survive mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. yeah I'm going for it you know like we've come this far wow. in a, yeah we've come this far in a short period of time so it's like it's time to get do it. it like literally everything fell into place and even like there was circumstances behind it that like reassured my decision to do this Mm -hmm. right so like i filed so you had some signs and wonders yeah absolutely absolutely that's right no absolutely i filed my paper my application um for financial aid Uh and there was some hiccups some things i had to go through because it had been um been a couple years since i was on it so i had to like get it was a process to make it happen but it it, it happened right and i registered for classes full-time classes but i was like kind of like hesitant to actually do it. I was hesitant to leave the job. I was hesitant to, hesitant to walk away from that 40 hour a week paycheck, right? And if leave the, 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 the like, am I gonna be able to survive yes. and all that stuff. And about two weeks ago, my boss called me into the office and she was like, hey, I'm assistant manager at a department store um, over here in downtown Silva and 
my boss called me into the office and she's like, hey, I need to talk to you. And I was like, oh, no, what did I do? Because we kind of have a love-hate relationship, mm-hmm. if you will. Mm-hmm. And she's like, I need to let you know that um, the company is doing away with your position. They're converting your position into a part-time position. Wow. Yeah. And, I, and she's like, so I need to know what you want to do. And she made me an offer, um, you know, to stay as a part-time employee or to leave mm-hmm. with a little severance um, deal. But it was just like, it all just like literally just fell into God, place so at the exact, you know, it was my sign to, mm-hmm. that I need to, mm-hmm. to move forward with the plan. So that's where we stand. Mm-hmm. Um, that's so freaking phenomenal yeah, because I know how hesitant you were and how like you couldn't leave that job you got to do this you got to do that and it's like when we let go and just you know have faith and you took like when I said you took a huge leap of faith like I know your situation with that department store yeah. you took a huge leap of faith yeah. and like even though you might not know it yet like God's got you yeah. like you're oh, gonna yeah. be okay yeah it's gonna happen like you, it's already happening what I are you talking about I can't like get this to is school so phenomenal yeah, I am is. so excited yeah. for you yeah it's it's I'm stoked I cannot get to school fast enough on Wednesday Bam. I'm just I'm just ready to roll we got big mm-hmm. plans going on over there with the collegiate recovery program Mm -hmm. and um i'm doing my internship there with the collegiate Mm -hmm. recovery program so we have just a lot going on this semester Mm -hmm. a lot of growth and a lot of support from the from the school as well so Mm -hmm. awesome stuff before we get into brian's story Mm -hmm. we would like to share some recovery events taking place in our community towards Mm -hmm. the end of the month i know probably both of you guys are well aware that august 31st is national international overdose Mm -hmm. awareness day right Mm -hmm. so for all of our jackson county macon county cherokee peeps Mm -hmm. full full circles recovery center Mm -hmm. is stephanie alameed stephanie yeah they're putting on uh the fifth annual night of hope Mm -hmm. is taking place friday august 31st at 6 p.m Mm-hmm. And that's over in Franklin at 365 Almond Drive. Mm-hmm. You can find information about the event mm-hmm. on Full Circle Recovery's Facebook page. Um, but they're inviting everybody out to participate in a memorial ceremony mm-hmm. uh, where you'll be able to share your loved ones' names to be remembered. Uh, there's going to be agencies out there providing resources and prevention. It's a kid-friendly event. Mm-hmm. While supplies last, they're going to be providing free barbecue mm-hmm. as well as free T-shirts. Yep. So everybody is welcome to come out. The second one is for our Buncombe County folks. Same night. Same night. Pax Park. Yep, Pax Park. Mm-hmm. Um, Overdose Awareness Day from 5 to 8 p.m. Mm-hmm. Pax Square. Uh, They're going to have speakers from the Buncombe County Public Health Department, Mm -hmm. the Harm Reduction Coalition, Seek Healing, the Steady Collective, local policymakers will be out there. They're going to have personal testimonies, uh, Mm -hmm. a public call for names for people to honor. They're doing the Lockstone training Mm -hmm. and distribution along with the Candlelight Vigil So that um, and live music. So come out and check that out Uh, again, August 31st from 5 Mm -hmm. to 8 p.m. So um, if you're out and about, I know that the NC Raw crew, present, future guests, past Mm -hmm. guests will all be at one of these events. So Mm -hmm. come kick it with us. Say hello. Hang out. Mm -hmm. Lastly, we have uh, recovery anniversaries. If you want to shout out on air, 
We have a post running on our Facebook page where you can drop your anniversary date, and we'll give you a live plug, on a shout-out on the air. So we do have mm-hmm. one uh, to recognize Monica Brown, wow. formerly a Cherokee. I think she lives over in Tennessee now. Mm-hmm. She just celebrated six years on the 27th while we were on vacation. So oh. tons of love to Monica. If you can hear mm-hmm. my voice, visit our Facebook page, like the page while you're there, and drop your date so we can give you some on-air love. And I'd want to make one more announcement. Come on, bring okay. it. So um, we, uh, this is all recovery-based, and some people have a faith-based system, some people don't. But for those who do, um, we're really big advocates in the, sto- in the school system. We have uh, many of our allies and, and advocates like Richie Tanner Hill and Caleb McCoy and Caitlin Ledford, who um, and Samantha Bradley, who you know go into the schools, speak to the adolescents. So tomorrow night, <clears throat> Tuesday night in Waynesville at the First Baptist Church, will be a back to school prayer rally, where they'll pray for their students and their teachers, the facility, um, and educational setting in Haywood County. I just think that's important to show our face, no matter what our belief system is, because we become role models to these teenagers and these adolescents. And and when we show that um, we care about what happens to them and we want to be a part about of what they're doing you know it makes them more um capable of listening and willing to listen to what we have to say because we're not we're walking it out teenagers don't listen to what you say they watch what you do Absolutely. and so um whether you, you know, want them to or yeah, not. Yeah, so what do you look like, you know, what does it look like if you were at the rally and you supported them during their event and then you showed up in their school to talk to them? Mm-hmm. You know, it's a familiar face and it's also saying, you know, we don't just come to bring our message. We we love you and we want to see the best for you and we want the best outcome for you. So give us the time, date, and location one it's more time. It's at the First Baptist Church in Waynesville at 7 p.m., and it's just a prayer, it's a prayer rally for the school system, for the Haywood County school system there. And it's at, let me make sure I'm right. Back to school prayer rally, public, First Baptist Church, Waynesville, North Carolina. Yep. And it's supposed to be 69 to 79, 61 to 79 degrees and partly cloudy. It's just an That's hour. What I'm talking about. Yeah. It's just an hour. No big deal. And uh, it won't take long. So, um, you know, what's an hour of your night to dedicate to all the adolescents and teenagers in Haywood County? That's nothing because that's what they need. They need to see us. They need to know we care. And people in recovery stand out because when they're children of um, of addicted parents or they're struggling with their own addictions or their addictions are just beginning. It's that face that they're going to run across in the Walmart one day and say, oh, wait a minute, hey, can I talk to you for a minute? Like, I need some help. Yeah. And um, the more we show up, the more chance there is for them to reach out. So I just think that's important. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Brian, you got something? Yeah, thing I, going gotta, on? I got, I got a, one or two things to throw out there. Um, like Ginger was saying, you know, uh, some people, some things work for they, and some people don't. You know, everybody's cup of tea is different. Um, there's, a, there's like an N.A. celebration on the 26th of August from 1 to 4. You can't say know. who it's for on this radio. Oh, my bad. <laughs> I don't care. Because uh, it's the world celebration, but okay, I yeah. guess I need to leave that alone. Yeah. Then, so never mind on that. Well, no, it's world. You can talk about it's um, world celebration, but not specific people unless they, Oh, okay. You know. no, I'm not going to put any names on yeah. there. It's at from one to four at Carrier Park in Asheville. Oh, that's awesome. And uh, like I said, it's the, it's 
NA's World Old Celebration. Gotcha. Um, there's going to be music, uh, kid bun- a bouncy house, speakers. Um, it's five dollars a plate, you know, for food. There's gonna be so much food you can eat for that five dollars. If you can't afford the five dollars, it's already been discussed. You know, no one's gonna tell you you can't eat. You mm. know, but it's just that's it, it goes towards a good cause. And on and that's when and where? That's on the 26th of August from one to four. Oh, we need to do um, that. It's gonna be the main hours of the going on over there um, at Carrier Park in Asheville. Um, I know I had another one, but I can't remember where it is. So. If it, if it pops in your mind yeah, while yeah, we're talking, yeah, yeah. man, we'll just, just spit it out, out dude. We'll go come back to that if I can. So, um, Brian. Yeah. You ready to do this, man? We gonna try. <laughs> we gonna awesome. see. Um, so, like, real quick, like, you're you're a welder? You're a welder? Um, I grew up in construction. Okay. Um, granddaddy owned his own business from the time he was 19 till he passed away. Yeah. Um, my uncle still runs a construction company off right. of his, but kind of taking it over on his own. Um, and I grew away from, you know, grew away from it a bit and I got into welding. Yeah. Um, got in with a custom scoreboard company, um, welding aluminum, building their custom scoreboards, traveling. Okay. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm a welder for real. Yeah, uh, you yeah. know, I weld uh, steel and stuff, you know, steel, but aluminum, something special. Cause you gotta That's be real, a high skill set. You gotta be to super, yeah. super careful cause you can burn through it. And, uh, you know, internal welds aren't a big deal. You don't see them. But on the, the aluminum awesome. scoreboards, they're they're custom finished, you know. And when you weld them together, you know your beads need to be perfect. Uh, mm-hmm. It's very, very intricate, very stressful. Um, Takes a lot of patience, huh? Yeah. A lot of patience. <laughs> a lot of patience. <laughs> patience. Um, you know, and uh, I loved it. Yeah. I really did. And uh, hopefully, hopefully here sooner than later. I'll be back at it. I stay in contact with them. They want me back, okay. you know, because uh, the boss, who's the owner technically, is the one having to do that part of what I was doing now, the outside welds, and it's driving him crazy, yeah, <laughs> to say the least. I'm going to lead towards the Sooner side on that. Yeah, um, yeah It's not too, it's not too right far away. Yeah. It's really not. Yeah. I mean, uh, I've been on a basketball court today and two days ago, so. Hell yeah. It, you uh, got to tell them the backstory <laughs> for that to be amazing. It to uh, tell us the story. All right. Um. I mean, how far back am I going? Well, well let's yeah. how far back you want. You want me to give like a brief back and jump got, to what happened got, recently? We got two hours, man. So, all right. Well, I was born and raised in New Jersey. Uh-huh. Uh, perfect family upbringing. Um, you know, yeah. like I said, uh, wasn't wasn't any real issues. Mom and dad were involved in our lives, sports all the way through. You know, we we had family dinners on sunday at grandparents house on the weekend we lived on a lake you know grandparents always lived on the lake we did boating you know you enjoyed the weekend you worked during the week you know as i got older you that's what you did uh that's what i was brought up to do i loved it i didn't do summer vacations i went to work for my grandfather that's what i enjoyed to do that's what that's just for whatever reason that's what my fun was um went down to the shore all the time you know like i said it was a great great upbringing the jersey shore loved it you know we went on vacations we did stuff um spoiled rotten you know but life was good you know um fast forwarding a little bit you know uh i hit 13 and uh i grew up a little bit you know at 13 and uh i did some things i shouldn't have done at 13 um you know had uh experimented with a few different you know substances I don't know if we can actually say substances, the actual ones or not. You know, I don't yeah, know how. It's totally, totally, it's totally it's up to you, man. Um, well, you know, it's I started totally smoking. I started. I tried. Weed, a, I tried marijuana. He was policed. I tried pot. <laughs> I tried pot. You know, and uh, I liked it. Yeah. It uh, made you happy. 
It made food seem to taste better. Made music <laughs> seem to taste better. Um, everything just seemed to be better. You know, I was always in a good mood and stuff. And man, did you sleep good when you went yeah. to bed at night. But uh, you know, and then I got involved with this chick, and we ended it's up sleeping together the when I was thirteen. I lost my virginity when I was thirteen, and I can remember coming. This is kind of where stuff started. I can remember coming home from school one day. And my mom had a look on her face, and she's like, "We need to talk." <laughs> she said. Liz's parents called me, and right then I knew. I was like, oh, no. And apparently they thought she was pregnant. And I was like, what? Turned out she wasn't, you know. You know, thank goodness, because who knows how that would have ended up playing out, you know. Um, Not to say that I wouldn't have wanted the baby, but just it could have really. Who was ready for a baby at 13? So, you know, experimented on and off with marijuana. Um, Was involved in sports. I was a big-time athlete. Um, played what, basket- what sport did you basketball. play? Basketball? Yeah, I mean, I played I played baseball, I played football, but basketball is what I drifted to. I was really good at shooting. I had a really quick shot. I was short, but I was quick. I never ran out of energy. Mm-hmm. I mean, I would run kids around circles on the court from my ADHD. I'm just, I'm wide open. Uh, yeah. I don't know if anybody picks up on that, but I'm <laughs> wide open, nonstop. We um, what we are. Right? And uh, <laughs> so... You know, ended up getting in some of the higher league teams. They have AAU travel leagues that travel all over the place. They have a New Jersey State team where, you know, only a certain amount of kids from the state get taken. You know, I was playing with I was playing with top of the notch kids from New Jersey and, and and other teams that we played against, you know, for instance, we can't throw names out there, can we? Yeah, you okay. can. I mean, for instance, Troy, just, Troy, Murphy, uh, Troy Murphy, who went to the University of Notre Dame and then played yeah. for uh, Golden State, I, I played basketball with him. He was on one of the teams I played with. And then uh, Tim Thomas, who went, who played for Shabazz AAU, he went you know, to the 76ers. That's the type of dudes I was playing ball mm-hmm. with. You know, I'm not saying I was that good, but I was, I was good. And being, being an athlete and being as good as I was in high school, you know, and leading up to high school, I didn't get in trouble for anything. You know, if I got – pulled over or if I got caught you know smoking weed or you know drifting forward just a little bit you know cocaine kind of came in a little Mm -hmm. bit and uh never got in trouble you never got caught or never faced consequences I mean I got caught there were times where I definitely got caught because I knew that I wasn't gonna get caught you Mm -hmm. know what I mean Uh, because they would they would say we can't do anything here we're not gonna get him in trouble and ruin his life and it's maybe a career or his future or we need him to play basketball tonight yeah mm-hmm. that's kind of how so there's it never was consequences. no there was never consequences and then when there were consequences it was mom and dad or my grandparents throwing mm-hmm. money at the situation you know yeah. what i'm saying mm-hmm. to fix it lawyers whatever um the spoiled thing i mm-hmm. i never suffered a, a true consequence mm-hmm. you know punishment you know mom definitely disciplined me you're not going outside for the weekend two hours into Friday evening I'm outside (laughs) playing you know and that's just that's just how it was so anyway you know cocaine came in did that whatever um and then heroin came in and that's where my life kind of got and all all this took place back home in New Jersey yeah everything started in New Jersey um and uh, heroin came in, which heroin was an epidemic in New Jersey way before. Down how'd you here. Gra- Twenty years ago, had yeah. you graduated high school? Or I got thrown out of high school. That's one of the reasons I couldn't go to some of the universities that were looking at me because yeah. I was gonna probably get. I probably could have gotten a scholarship. Yeah, probably. To play ball. Yeah, probably. Even a partial scholarship, whatever. But and even if I didn't get a scholarship, I could have gotten into it, that school and then gotten a scholarship once I was there to show them that. Yeah. You know what I mean. And you were partying and playing ball at the same time. Oh, for sure. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, uh-huh. for sure. That partying. 
Yeah. But oh, so yeah. getting kicked oh, yeah. out of school, there were some consequences coming that you weren't, you didn't even really want to accept well, yeah, I got a, Yeah, I got a letter the last day of my junior year that was told I wasn't allowed to come back because I, I transferred to a vocational school because they asked me to come play there because in New Jersey, we've got like uh, private schools and we've got right. vocational yeah. schools. Mm-hmm. Vocational schools, you know, you have to take a trade plus your main classes. Yeah. But a lot of those schools being that they're able to recruit people to come there, the sports programs use that as a recruiting thing so I was recruited and asked to come there so when I got a letter the last day of my junior year told me I wasn't allowed to come back and because of what I got thrown out for and what my record was I wasn't allowed to go to any school like within a certain amount of miles within that school because I got in a lot of trouble for fighting yeah um getting caught smoking Mm -hmm. weed in the school bathrooms Mm -hmm. and then and 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 then selling stuff too in the parking lots how did your parents respond to oh they were pissed yeah (laughs) oh they were pissed they were hot and, uh, you know, I didn't, at that moment, I didn't, uh, <clears throat> I didn't worry about going back to school. I went and started working. I got mm-hmm. a job, started working, started making money. My grandfather said, we'll get to work. And, you know, I mean, you ain't just going to sit around and be a bum. You, ain't gonna, you know, and I mean, I, and, and fast forward a little bit, I did go back and get my high school or not my high school mm-hmm. diploma, but got my GED, which mm-hmm. is now, mm-hmm. a, you know, an equivalent to a high school diploma. And it actually, instead of doing a whole school year for my 12th year you know it only took like two months Mm -hmm. you know because I was able to take the test I was very smart in school I was the type of kid that like if a teacher put something on the board I could I could it it was in my head I didn't have to take notes nothing like that I didn't do math you know problems with work you know they'd Mm -hmm. have I'd have answers on my page and my teacher would be like where the heck did that come from and I'd be like (laughs) I did it she's like there's no way and I could go ahead throw one on the board you know I got up there and I do it and I actually proved her wrong wrong one day but I had a lot of problems, you know, in school. I uh, behavioral problems. <laughs> uh, if you want to call them that, I didn't like. Yeah, you know, I didn't like being disrespected. Yeah, I didn't like being disrespected, and uh, you know, um, yeah, behavioral issues. <laughs> okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. He's, yeah, yeah, definitely behavioral issues. I enjoyed okay. fighting. Yeah. Um, you know, growing up, how I grew up, you know, we uh, you settled your differences by fighting. You know, you might even fight your cousin or your brother well, in the north. backyard, and then next thing you know, you're shaking hands and you're, yeah. you're you know, drinking a soda and eating a hot dog. You know, it's, even, a, it's just that's what we did. That's how you solve your problems. It's a different culture up north. Yeah, we, it's a uh, much more aggressive, faster-paced culture. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm a product of my environment, you mm-hmm. know, not necessarily from where my parents and stuff raised me, but playing the basketball, being down in, yeah, like, talk about the that, city some, and the being city. more in the city part of New Jersey. Because northern New Jersey is like horse farm stuff like that it's real country it's nice still very fast paced but it's nice once you get about halfway down that's where the city of new jersey comes in and playing basketball and stuff you know you got i got involved in seeing cultures of you know poverty uh you know a lot of drug dealing um, Mm -hmm. a lot of drugs um a lot of shootings a lot of killings you know Mm -hmm. um and uh and you shared with me that a lot of your competition on the basketball court, um, the really gifted, talented athletes came from the inner cities. Yeah, most and definitely. And so you built relationships with people in the inner right, cities. Right, most definitely. And then that that provoked a lot of your drug usage, is Yeah, that oh yeah, because, you know, once the partying continued or you're hanging out with these people that you're meeting and becoming mm-hmm. friends with, you know, you're down in these areas, you know, that I today would call the ghettos or stuff like that, you know, where mm-hmm. it's a rough area, but... The drugs came very quick and very easy. Mm-hmm. And for me, being who I was with those people, you know, very cheap. Yeah. I mean, you know, you're talking because yeah. a lot of a lot of these kids that are playing ball with me, 
you know, parents or nephews or whoever are gangbanging, you know, and mm-hmm. are part of gangs and stuff. And, you know, then they put money into them as well. They invest. They're, 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 you're going to look at money. Mm-hmm. There's an investment in me. There's an investment in a kid. If he, mm-hmm. if they think he can make it, because then they'll get something out of it. If you do make it, so mm-hmm. there's an investment. So they, uh, th- th- partying, drugs. So the opportunity cheap. came. The opportunity for you to start was there, wide open. And mm-hmm. Northern New Jersey, you know, there were certain kids that would go and get certain drugs and heroin specifically, and were scared to death to go get it. A lot of them were scared to death, and, and you know, that's just word of mouth. You see it, whatever. But you had already had established those. Connections oh yeah, yeah. And from, in my head, yeah. I mean, I'm a, one of my money. biggest addictions is money. Yeah. There isn't enough mm-hmm. money, period. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm a hustler, you know, whether it's work hustling, whatever. I'm a, I'm a hustle to figure out whatever mm-hmm. I can do to get the maximum out of everything. Mm-hmm. Again comes the adrenaline. Yeah. With mm-hmm. the maximum hustle to it, there's the adrenaline factor mm-hmm. that comes with it. And Well, if the drugs you know, don't kill you, the lifestyle will. Right, completely. Mm-hmm. I think actually a- the lifestyle alone is actually harder to finally yes. leave even after you put the drugs down. Yeah. Once you put the drugs and substances down, and even when you start to change things about your life and stuff, that lifestyle is very difficult to not drag yourself back into the party and the girls, the money, just all of it. The, the feeling that, like you're Mr. Important because you got mm-hmm. three cell phones and they're all ringing nonstop. Mm-hmm. You're, you, you're like, you're up here, you're up on a, you know, mm-hmm. you're up on like this pedestal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know? And all that comes with the athleticism too, you know, mm-hmm. the athletes. You think about the pro athletes even now. It's a big. They carry that type They of carry mentality. that lifestyle yeah. and that mentality. Mm-hmm. But um, <laughs> Big ego too, you yeah. know, a big, huge yeah. ego trip that comes with it. And it's hard to let that <clears> put that. And even in the program, you know, that mm-hmm. I'm involved in and stuff like that in recovery, ego is huge. Mm-hmm. Ego is <laughs> a rough one, putting your ego and pride yeah. aside, you know. So this is fun. I just have to add this in. It's so hilarious. So I always had that hustling mentality because when I started dealing, it was um, it was I was watching somebody. I was actually watching a boyfriend do it. And I was like, you're doing this wrong. Like, you're not doing this right. (laughs) You don't know how to make money doing this. Let me do this. And um, so now I um, I coupon. (laughs) 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 Like, that's my big thing. And I know when I do it, it's like still the same thing for me because I like going to the store and I've got all these coupons and I've got it all figured out and I know where I'm going to get my stuff at and I'm going mm. to this store and and mm. then I come out with like a big bag full of stuff and I paid five dollars and 62 cents yeah. for it and I'm like posting the receipts on Facebook hustling food line baby. <laughs> I mean they got a TV, there's a TV show about it's it that people, that, I mean, that people are doing there, that but yeah. I'm saying it's that same mentality it is. It though is. yeah the grocery yeah. store's paying you for your groceries yeah I've, I've seen that on the show on TV it's like they ring all this three carts of stuff up and you know the they, got the, store, they got their flip book to give all you the coupons <laughs> and they ring it up and the grocery store is showing like a negative $50 and I'm like how did what? they pull that off? Yeah. You know? And it's, and it's an art. Like, it's a skill. You got to, like, really yeah. look at it. She would have been great in the street. <laughs> you know? Like, I know she that at? extreme couponing lady would have been oh, balls yeah. to the wall. Yeah. So that's really cool. So so you're living that lifestyle. Started the consequences heroin, start you know? coming after the heroin. Started selling it. Started using it. Had started you, shooting up. Had you had any, like, real-life experiences or run-ins with law enforcement that... Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, I got, I got, uh, like I said, I started shooting up and I stopped shooting up, you know, I shot up for about two years and I stopped shooting up and ain't touched a needle since. And that was back when I was 20, I'm 34 now. And, uh, yeah, a couple times, you know, I, there was, I, I was always in trouble with the law because I, I, 
like I said, I was spoiled and I was yeah. making really, really good money at a real, and that's the other thing too. I was making really, really good money for a 17 and 18 year old to be clearing. A, I mean, I was clearing a good amount of money a week and no just kid, working an honest job. Right. And no kid should have access at that young age to that mm -hmm. much cash, especially with my, in, you know, the way I, my character is of the adrenaline and all that. It, but nobody would have seen that then, you know, nobody knew that stuff then. Um, but I look at and can see that now. Mm -hmm. Um, and there That's was, uh, there was, um, a friend of mine, I was, I was sharing this on the way here. Um, a friend of mine's sister was married to a state trooper. I'm just going to leave it that way. I'm not going to put a name out there, but, uh, he looked out for us. Okay. Let's put it that way. Yeah. But there were two times where I was coming back from a certain city in New Jersey back up and, uh, by the grace of God, I didn't get caught with what I got caught with because I probably, I would have been definitely locked away for the rest of my life. Because, mm -hmm. uh, like I said, New Jersey heroin was an epidemic 20 years ago. When mm -hmm. I was 17 years old, heroin was, <clears throat> heroin was already pumping yeah. through New Jersey, you know, and um, heroin, heroin, you know, not like now today, you know, it's all fentanyl. It's, it's killing everybody. Not that heroin doesn't kill people. Yeah. But, uh, you know, and the one cop, then one time a cop did catch me, searched my vehicle. And he found, he didn't find all of it. He had found what I kind of pulled out for, I was making a stop somewhere along my way. And I had already pulled out a certain amount for somebody. And, uh, you know, he, uh, he gave me a break. Mm. You know, I busted down crying. God, I just kept looking Faked it. I faked it till I made it th mm -hmm. through that traffic stop. But I was, there was a moment of clarity in there. Where I was upset about it because it really hit like for a second, like, what are you doing? You know, mm -hmm. but the minute he let me go, it was, right you know, back, back it. at it. Mm -hmm. Like, all right, bet I got you. You know, I got him. Mm -hmm. And uh, cops were dirty, too, in Jersey. You know, mm -hmm. uh, there was a lot of uh, take your dope, and they'd end up, you'd, they'd sell it back to the street. I mean, I'm just going to, you know, everybody knows this, right? I'm not, you know, breaking any new news to nobody, but, and, I was sharing ginger, you know, f trying to fast forward to some of the better parts of it. I was uh, in my sister's bathroom and I was getting ready to shoot up. And um, right before I about put the needle in my arm, I literally saw a flash of light and I heard a voice and it was my uncle Dan's voice who passed away at an early age from brain aneurysm. And uh, I heard him say, I, I can't cuss though, right? You say okay. anything you want. I heard him say, what the F are you doing? Um, and, uh, I finished doing what I was doing, and I was broke. I was broken. I was broke down. I only, I think, I only did what I did at that moment because of how sick I was at that mm -hmm. morning. I was sick, um, because I didn't like the drugs, you know. Anyway, but I, it ended up being that heroin made you sick if you didn't have it. So, I ended up driving myself to my mom and dad's house, and I went into their bedroom and I broke down crying. My mom was like, "What's wrong with you?" And she's like, "Why ain't you at work and stuff?" You know, bugging out. And I, I told her what, what I told her what the story was. Mm -hmm. She didn't believe me. My mom's like, come on. She's like, stop making up. What are you, just trying to make a story to get my feathers ruffled, da, 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 get me going, blah, blah, <laughs> And I'm like, mom, that's a really good story to get your feathers ruffled, don't you think? And she's like, let me see your arms and stuff like that. And she didn't see any track marks or nothing. You know, I I use, like, new needles every time. I, I hit it very well. You know, I was telling Ginger, I think, on the way here, like, I was one of those, what I considered to be, like, a really smart, clean <laughs> addict. <laughs> we all you know what I'm on. saying? <laughs> but I never had, you know, never shared a needle ever. Never used a needle, to, whatever. Anyway, I went out to the truck, got my, you know, needle kit. Everybody knows what a needle kit is if you shoot up. And then I got my, all the dope I had in the truck. 
and she was shocked because it was quite a bit of dope that I had. She's like, "All that's yours?" And she was shocked though. Yeah. She was appalled. That's what I was ask you. Prior, she was appalled. Like, prior she, to you showing up, how, was she aware of any of? No, yeah, she had no, no idea. idea. No, heck no. no. Idea. She, uh, my mom definitely knew that I smoked pot. Yeah. Could have cared less. I mean, it's pot. Mm-hmm. That's how my mom looked at it. It's some weed, you know. Um, definitely, she didn't know. I mean, I'm sure she probably assumed that at parties I might occasionally did some cocaine here or there, maybe. Mm-hmm. But uh, heroin or anything like that, definitely not. And d- selling it, definitely not. And you were disciplined enough to go to work every day and uh, stuff like that? So. Never, never missed a day yeah. of work. And then I was doing side jobs as well in yeah. evenings and on the weekends. And then it got to a point where I cut the side jobs out. Because me being smart, making more money, um, I was able to. I you only can put so much money in a bank account, you know, without them paying attention to it. But in a business account, you can put a lot more money in a business account, and they don't pay it any attention. You started so a business. <laughs> I was running a side business of selling drugs, telling my parents, which they were pretty sure that I was doing side work because I was for a while there, and I was putting that money you know, aside that way. And it turned into such a job though, because now I look at it now and I was hiding so much stuff Mm -hmm. that could have hurt so many people. I mean, the, if somebody would have found that out then, you know, even, you know, it's so wrong what I was doing Mm -hmm. and with total disregard of anybody and anything. Mm -hmm. Um, that's what we do. And, uh, so, you know, no, she had no idea. Um, she was actually, I think it took her like 10 minutes to even get a word out. I mean, she just sat there with like these wide eyes and her arms open, like looking at me like, and then finally she said, you know, she called my father and, uh, I think, uh, I don't remember if he came home right then or whatever, but anyway, long story short, they, she's like, what do we need to do? Now, how old were you at this time? 20. 20? Okay. Yeah. 19 turning 20. Cause I remember it was in the summer cause it was hot. <laughs> it was hot. Because I remember when I was slightly detoxing on my ride down here, it was hot. Because mm-hmm. I didn't fully detox, cause, and that's another part of getting down here. My Long story short, my grandparents moved down here over to Macon County in Franklin, where I lived for about 10 years, up on Lake Nanahela. Came down. They called them. They were here the next day. I came down here, got and I did. I kept enough. I was allowed to keep enough heroin to get down here to at least see somebody to be safe. Cause no, my mom looked it up and everything. She didn't want me like just withdrawing on my own and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, possibly something happening. And were um, your grandparents aware of like the circumstances? Yeah, my grandparents it? knew they weren't happy about it. They knew I was going to have heroin and a needle in the vehicle. And, you know, I'd, I'd go into the bathroom when we stopped to eat or to rest up and I'd get high. And, you know, looking back at that now, it's like, you know, you think about like the, you know, not dude, my grandparents, my grandparents, my grandparents like that, did I? Like, holy cow. And, like, felt like it was totally all right because I was like, yeah, but I'm going to get clean, but, you know, mm-hmm. and this is what I need, but yet here I am putting my grandparents even at risk, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. We get pulled over or something, you know, for something, and a cop sees me all nodded out in the back of the vehicle, and he searches, he finds heroin and a needle, you know, that's, you know, disregard, complete disregard mm-hmm. for anybody and everything. Mm-hmm. Got down here, got clean, you know, got into the program. Um we started going to an outpatient but, program. So you, but you detox on your own. Once when, I got to my grandparents' house, I did. I, house. I tapered myself yeah. off with what I had because I knew that's all I was going to mm-hmm. have. I had a little bit of uh, methadone wafers, and I used them after the heroin to ta- finish tapering, and uh, it sucked. Mm-hmm. It was horrible. <laughs> horrible. Horrible. <laughs> um, 
how soon and easily we forget that though yeah. mm-hmm. uh, so what was your recovery like at that um, time you know over there in? at that time in the county i was living in there's not a whole lot of na and this was this was making ten, ten making county yeah, ten, ten years ago, ago. just like making two county. three meetings a week yeah and then it got mm-hmm. down to like two but you know only yeah, the first only presbyterian the, church yeah only the friday night meeting yeah. behind the courthouse there is the only one that usually has like a certain a good amount of people at yeah. it you know any amount of recovery um and uh but you know there's not a whole lot of like na type recovery activities or stuff that gets there's done there's still not and this know. is 10 years ago right so mm-hmm. it's uh so what it's, did you... it's difficult. There's a lot of areas that are like that. It's difficult. So I ended up installing myself also in the IOP, an outpatient program, uh-huh. three nights a week. And um, honestly, the biggest one besides all that was at that time, I, I, want, I felt good being clean there for a little while. It was mm-hmm. nice. And it was I just didn't use. Yeah. I mean, as badly as at times as I, I wanted to or I wanted to figure out how to or, you know, stuff was rough, um, I just didn't use. I mean, I was also... 30 minutes from anywhere of like uh you know population really mm-hmm. uh, anybody knows about lake nanahela 10 years ago <laughs> you know man's and you don't have cell phone signal after You're about still, halfway up the mountain yeah. and you still, still don't like that. Yeah. so what did you do to occupy your time man did you get a job did you just no kinda... i didn't uh i hung out around my grandparents place you know my granddaddy we had bought a bunch of property on the lake and there's a little bungalow that we had turned into a house and then he wanted to build their final home, you know, the home they were going to live in, die in, retire on, on the lake. And uh, I assisted in doing that, and he paid me for doing it. And I, I did all the electrical work in it as well because I took electrical while I was at the mm-hmm. vocational school when I was playing ball there. And, uh, you know, I, I, and I went to meetings and stuff. But, I mean, we were on the lake. We had a boat. We went skiing, mm-hmm. wakeboard. I mean, I— I lived on a lake my whole life, you know. I, I, I you could put me out. So just, kind of like some nature just, recovery. Yeah, you could just put mm-hmm. me around some, some water, recovery. some water, yeah. and I'm gonna figure out how to fun, have fun, <laughs> you know. Uh, I don't really like the bugs and stuff as much and all that as I've gotten older. Um, and don't really like sleeping on the ground like I did. And if we put an air mattress <laughs> in the tent, we're good. Yeah. But anyway, yeah, it was more like a nature recovery, keeping myself away from society and just away from everything for a just while. The isolation, though. The isolation. The disconnect. But, but it was like a good isolation. It was a good isolation, yeah. though, mm-hmm. you know, because I'm the type of person that that's usually when I start to know that things are getting rough and I might relapse if I start to isolate in a different mm-hmm. way. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, man, uh, did that on and off for a little while. Held my breath for a little while is what we'll call it. Yeah. Um, you know, put about a year and a half, almost two years together. Had a sponsor, started working some steps. But I wasn't really working the steps. I was just doing going what through was the needed. Motions. Going through the motion, writing down like quick answers, but wasn't really internally getting mm-hmm. up anything because I wasn't I wasn't ready. I was just, I just, because if I was, I would have done what I needed to do mm-hmm. deeper. And I didn't do deeper. And, uh, you know, I, uh, well, the consequences hadn't gotten great enough No, yet. heck no. Consequ- and, and the only consequence consequences you had was you got to go live on the lake. Yeah, yeah. I got to go live <laughs> in the lake in like a $3 million home. You know yeah. what I mean? It was like, and you're still it's a young like top of the line the rehab time. here. And you're young, yeah. you're like 20 yeah. years old. Yeah. It's a top of the line rehab right so here. Then, so, mean, then you, so then you get back in the game and this time around you're in and out, yep. in and out, yep. in and out. Yeah, I'm and so what happens i'm dying to get to the juice okay we'll just so, jump forward to the juice so, i went on and off with pain pills for a while selling pain pills smoking pain pills justifying the fact that they weren't heroin you know met a girl you know and that's how i got involved with them hillbilly heroin as they're known down here and uh got okay wait got, a minute what's hillbilly heroin smoking a roxy on a piece of foil because it's 
hillbilly chasing heroin. The chasing the dragon. Okay. And, uh, or, you know, when a person shakes the pill bottle, the West Virginia mating call. <laughs> <laughs> you know, oh uh, for, for everybody out there who already knows what I'm talking about. There you go. Okay. And then, you know, I did some time. I caught some charges because I got, I guess, you know, people had snitched on me and told on me, got busted in on a couple of times. Caught with stolen property, you know, all blah, in, blah, blah, all blah, in blah, Macon blah. County. Yeah, all in Macon County, uh-huh. you know, and that's kept the county. Once they know you, they know you. Yeah. And uh, went to prison, got out of prison, back Here at in it, North went Carolina. to prison. Yeah, went back. You know, I, I've been five times. Here in at, North Carolina. Yeah, all in North Carolina. And mm-hmm. all for the same stuff. And then uh, finally got out this last time. And um, a buddy of mine who got out like four or five years back, we were in the same prison. He's been living in Asheville since, and he's been clean since. He's been trying to get me to come out there. So finally, when I got out of prison this time, he knew a girl that I could live with. I could rent her whole downstairs of her condo and stuff, and I was living there. Got my parole there and everything. And uh, that was February 13th of 2018. I got released from prison, did my last 90 days. And I had till June to not get in any more trouble or catch any charges, and I was going to be off paper, mm-hmm. parole, probation, and or prison for the first time in 14 years. Wow. So, you know, June, June was like huge for me. June was like a huge stress for me as well, though, because all I've known from the time I was basically 21 till like 33 was being on probation, parole, or prison. Mm-hmm. So that was coming up. So here I am. I'm released. I um I did uh you know I did good. I I didn't have an urge to want to use nothing. It was like it was like gone. You know it was just MIA. I was applying for some jobs um because the you know the uh, the scoreboard company is actually here in making in Franklin, and I was staying in Asheville and um, my driver's license is suspended due to a speeding ticket. So I didn't have transportation, which you know I'm working on cleaning that up and. The, um, cleaning it's up. a process it's a process I'm, and i'm getting i've gotten almost all of it cleaned up to be able to finally just move forward with That's what like i need the most expensive piece of plastic i've yeah, ever bought it, in my uh, life <laughs> yeah I'm, I'm like it's eight. a privilege to drive to yeah i'm like eight grand listen. in i'm like eight grand in from south carolina oh, yeah. and georgia and i haven't finished north carolina yet because i don't know what they're gonna hit me with all <laughs> who listen i'm doing 105 and a 55 and a rented toyota prius okay <laughs> coming back from Concord just to see what it could do in yep. a rented Prius. So, um, got out, did good. Um, was looking for trying to find some work around here, and uh, happened to run into a buddy that I was locked up in prison with. Mm. Lived over in a certain set of uh, apartment complexes, mm. um, and uh, I bought some cocaine on March twenty eighth. Mm-hmm. And I started doing it at like seven that morning. I remember seeing ten o'clock. And the next thing I remember, I'd been in the hospital in ICU for three days, and my mom was sitting at the end of my bed from New Jersey. Um, I overdosed on cocaine laced with fentanyl. Mm. And they said there was enough fentanyl in my system, in my toxicology report, to kill two people easily, mm. well over two people. And um, So tell us what happened in that overdose, because that's right. a pretty powerful um, story. I... Uh, I apparently had fallen. I was cleaning that morning, and I had fallen down, and I had landed on my vacuum cleaner, apparently. The vacuum cleaner landed underneath my knees, um, and nobody, so my legs were up over the vacuum. Nobody had found me for like six, seven hours. They're, they're guessing. They're averaging. Um, I was turning blue. I was more cold. My core temperature was in the 80s. 
They had to hit me with uh, three shots of Narcan, put me on a stretcher, ran me to the hospital. Apparently, I died one or two more times in the course of that. Um, so, were, so, so you had died. Yeah, oh, I, I literally you, no, no, I, I died. That, yes, I, I was dead. To hear that? He I was had dead. Flatlined more I than was once. flatlined, dead. No heartbeat, mm-hmm. no pulse, no nothing. There, there, nothing. Who mm-hmm. found you? Um, the girl that owned the uh-huh. condo that was living upstairs. Mm-hmm. Um, she, she hadn't heard from me at all that day. And it was rare, just checking in, like, hey, what are you up to? Do you need me to do anything? Are the dogs okay? You're gonna be gone. That type of stuff. Mm-hmm. And finally, when she still, because she had sent me some messages throughout the day, and finally at that evening, you know, later on, you know, she got home, she realized she needed to come downstairs and check. And I was literally at like my, um, my bedroom was like up a set of stairs, like kind of like a loft, you know, area type thing. And I was at the top of the stairs, like wedged between a railing, the floor, and up like on the wall, mm-hmm. you know, um, in a totally cocked, posi- weird position. And uh, so, uh, but yeah, you know, um, uh, if nobody's ever experienced it, I don't suggest experiencing it. Mm-hmm. Um, people have asked me, as I'll, I'll share some more about this. People come up and ask me when I share my story. They talk to me about it. You know, I've been doing going in and out of the program for 14 years. Mm-hmm. Okay. I know what works. Mm-hmm. I just haven't applied it yet. Mm-hmm. You know, I've got the tools if I choose to use them. Um, and uh, I chose not to use them. Um, you know, and uh, real quick, somebody shared with me one time, you know, it sucks when you see somebody die from drugs or an addict die from drugs Mm -hmm. that doesn't necessarily know he's an addict even yet. But Mm -hmm. what really hurts is when somebody who is an addict dies and has been shown the tools or has experienced Mm -hmm. the program to get clean. That's what sucks. It's very, that's what hurts really bad because they had a chance. Mm -hmm. But, um, you want to talk a little bit about like what led up to just, you deciding Decide to, to get it? Yeah. Because uh, you had, I'm, oh my, right, yeah, you got out in February. Yeah, yeah, I'm, in I'm, March. Uh, yeah, yeah. So wait though. So the OD happens uh-huh. and he gets to the hospital and he comes out from ICU. Yeah. And a lot of people have asked me this question too real quick. They said, uh, you know, weren't you scared? Weren't you afraid of the death and dying? Death and dying ain't scary. Mm-hmm. You don't know it. You don't even, you're not mm-hmm. there. You're not alive. Mm-hmm. When you come awake, when you wake up and you have, more tubes than you can count on your hands and toes in you. You can't talk and you're strapped down to a bed and you see your mom sitting there and you you realize you're in like the hospital and you're like, wait, what? You know, that's when stuff hits you and that's when you're scared to death mm-hmm. because you're scared to death about like, what am I going to do? What the hell happened? everything just starts to hit you like your life, your job, your bills, your family, your your this, your that, your your everything. And it all hits you kind of at once and you're scared to death. That's when you're scared. And could you imagine all this overflow of emotion and, and what being was really scary strapped down was, and, 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 and medicated. Yeah. Like and you the know. overflow of emotion in a situation like that that's trauma where there's no no ability to shake it off. No. And, you know, that that's when reality really sets in, mm-hmm. um, you know, and, and for so what and was that like for you? And what was the prognosis? Like, what um, were the doctors saying? Well, when I finally woke up, um, I'm guessing, you know, I remember the nurse coming in and checking on me because my mom was screaming. He's awake. He's awake. Finally, he's awake. And uh, I knew something was serious, you know, besides just looking around or whatever, you know. I knew something was super serious seeing my mom there. Did you know that you had used? Did you recall that at that time when you woke yeah, up? Yeah, I mean, when had... I finally was like, once I came out of the groggy first mm-hmm. couple minutes mm-hmm. um, from being so sedated from my surgeries and from this, that, and the other thing, 
um, yeah. Uh-huh. I was like, damn. I said, the cocaine done got me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know? And, and then a, Not yeah, the cocaine. No. <laughs> and, you know, um, doctor came in. The uh, the head trauma doctor came in who did the surgeries on my leg. Um, the kidney doctor was came in. They all kind of came in at one time. Um, I mean, minus the one main doctor that was on the floor that and day. Tell us about fun. all that. Like why you um, had surgery on your leg, why you had um, why you had a kidney doctor there. Like what all trauma had happened to your body from this OD? All right. My leg being up over the vacuum cleaner for so long, um, eventually at some point blood stopped flowing below my knee on my left leg. And muscle starts to die instantly. Mm-hmm. Pretty much instantly without blood to it. I mean, it, it may not. You may be able to reju- recu- get it back, rejuvenate it, get it back mm-hmm. if you can get the blood flow going again, like if you're pinched or something like that. But the amount of time I was down without it, it was over for it. So a bunch of muscle had died. <clears throat> and they go in, they do what they call as compartment syndrome surgery. And they go in and they take out the dead muscle um, mm-hmm. at that point, And they don't physically close you up. They actually leave what they call a wound vac in you, mm. which sucks out. I'm trying not to get yeah, disgusted. No, we y'all. want you. Yeah. I want you to bring it. This, this is what this I've is been real, waiting though, for. Uh, you know, because <clears> I hope is... nobody ever has to experience what and I did. That's why or went we want through. you to share. Um, that sucks the fluids and stuff out. I had two of them on me, or three of them actually to start. I had three wound vacs because there was so much fluid in me. Um, my thigh was so big it was probably like a foot and a half wide which they had to cut the whole back of my thigh open to do a va- fasciotomy to relieve the pressure. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, my leg was pretty tore open one side and a big scar on the other. I don't know, maybe eventually I'll take a picture. You guys can put that up there if they want to see it. I got the ones from when I was in the hospital, too. Mm-hmm. Might scare somebody. Uh, and um, they wait a couple days, or not even a couple days. The first two or three surgeries were done within a week because of how quick it was ke- it kept dying there for a little mm-hmm. bit but for instance when they first brought me to the hospital though I was totally unstable but the head trauma doctor had called my mom and told my mom he was like listen he's like this is what the situation is we know that he's not technically stable for surgery but the only way that we can save his leg is if he goes in for surgery now mm-hmm. so now mind you my mom is sitting in New Jersey 800-some miles away, Mm -hmm. 12-hour drive away, being asked the question of... Having to make a decision for you. Your son may die going in for surgery, period, permanently, because of the trauma he's going to have on top of his already trauma from the surgery. Mm -hmm. But I'm telling you I can save his leg if I can get in there now and if he makes it through it. Mm. Mm. That's a decision Mm. my mama's got to sit there and make. Mm-hmm. From a distance, mm. she can't see you. She, she can't, can't touch see me. You. She can't do nothing. She can't smell you. She can't nothing. My mom told me that the first uh, gives me chill bumps. My skin stands up, um, because I love my mama. Mama, mm-hmm. if you see this, I love you. Uh, <laughs> she asks him, "Can you really save his leg?" And I'm not gonna put the doctor's name out there, but um, he said, "Yeah." He said, I'm telling you right now, I can probably save his leg. It's it's still savable. Cause I, and I'm not sure how he knew that. But Salvageable. Whatever, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, so they went in, and they did surgery. Mm-hmm. And they did two surgeries in the course of two days, mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure is what it was. And uh, 95% of people who have compartment syndrome surgery actually lose their limbs. Like the body might take onto it for a little while, mm-hmm. but in the long run they end up having to amputate just mm-hmm. because it was just, wow. it is what it was. So, the necrosis you know, that sets into yeah. the tissue. So right there, you know, that 
that was uh, the first part of it. Got the wound vax on. They're giving it, I think they gave it like a week or so before they were going to possibly put me back in for surgery because they can't even, there's no way to check it unless they go in for surgery. Irregardless, you're going in for surgery either to be checked to see or whatever. And they, what they did too is over, after the first two going to the third one, they slowly start to close stuff too. Mm -hmm. They'll slowly start to close you up. I went to two wound vacs um, and then eventually went down to one wound vac. And I think, you know, at this time I'd been in there for like two weeks and went in for my last surgery, and they eventually closed it up and took the last wound back out. And, of course, kept a close eye on, you know, circulation, blood flow, doing stuff to help blood flow, massaging, stuff like that and everything. And at the same exact time, during all of this as well, I'm going to add something else to it. The reason it was so dangerous as well is not only was I dead and had just been brought back two hours before my surgery, I go in for surgery, they tear my leg up with one of the – you know, which is a very sketchy surgery anyway. Any surgery is, but that's a sketchy surgery. My kidneys are failed. I don't have kidney function. I'm being, my kidneys are being run by a machine. Mm -hmm. um, so they eventually put me on dialysis. <sighs> Mind you, I've already had my first dialysis treatment as well before I even wake up. Because I didn't wake up. I, when I finally woke up, I had been in ICU for three days already and had all kinds of stuff done to me and hadn't even known it. And was supposed to be on dialysis for up to up to a minimum of a year and was on it for six weeks. Let's just reset for a second and tell our audience when this took place again. Because I, I just want you to say it. I just want you to say it again. March 28, 2018. Like uh, this six March, months, like, like six, six months, months ago. ago. Yeah, yeah, six months Three, ago. Three, one, eighth month. So yeah, five yeah, yeah. months ago. This yeah. happened five, five months, months ago. ago. Okay. And so that's why this story like had to come to the table because And this two and, is, and a half months of it was in the hospital. Yeah. You know, just living in the hospital. And so when I met Brian and he was in this meeting sharing, it was six weeks wow. after he had, um, was it about six or eight weeks Six to eight weeks after after th this incident. Had, I was in there the for two and a half months, so that would have been eight, about ten, about eight or ten weeks. Yeah, about eight or ten weeks. And he was, um, and so the prognosis of him, even e even though they had done this surgery, you know, and most people end up um, paralyzed and or you know lose that limb or whatever. Um, he was in there walking on crutches in a boot, wow. had a boot on his leg and was walking on crutches yeah. and um, was telling this story. And I'm like, what? Like, what? And um, and I just could not believe it. And then, um, you know, they had told him at one point that he may still lose his leg. And he's just, he's in the meeting sharing, like, I'm going to get through this. I'm going to get to work. Like, I'm going to be okay. Like, you know, I'm going to keep coming to meetings. And, and, you know, as long as I got a ride and a way. And, and I'm just like, wow, like the hope this person has, the drive they have, you know, to, um, and, and the limitations that were put on him. So, like, he was just about to open up and say that um, they had told him he would be on dialysis for a year one year, at least a minimum, minimum of one minimum year. Of so year. how long were wow. you on dialysis, Brian? Six weeks. Six weeks and he came off dialysis. No yeah. way. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I was told I may never actually, even though I might have kept my leg, I was even told by the doctors I may never actually walk because I may not get the functions back to be able to walk. Oh, yeah. 
and I still don't have 100% walking you function. You walked but, into the studio but, tonight. Yeah, he walked you know, into the studio tonight. We're, yeah. getting, we're yeah. getting there. Uh, you know, it's it's about a, it'll be about a year before a full recovery if mm-hmm. one takes sure. place because of some of the nerves that have to grow back. Um, mm-hmm. I've got what they call drop foot. You've um, come everything so besides far that, just my job. Time. Yeah, yeah. It's unbelievable. Yeah, yeah. So that was my thing. Was like um, he had had all these limitations put on him by the doctors. All these limitations that we have the world put on us. You know, as um, people who have records and convictions, and people who have massive car accidents. And uh, you know, Caitlin Ledford is another just phenomenal physical story of restoration. You know, where um, she had a a car wreck and and caused some major damage and now she's running 30 something miles a day with the lion (laughs) you know what i mean um it's they're just powerful and um to know that god has moved so fast you know my belief system is that you know god has got so much more for you Uh and um and a purpose and a plan and all that stuff you don't come back from something like that without a great divine destiny no and um and I've got some stories, too, of why I was even in there. A couple of times I went under, you know, for surgery. And, you know, they, they some people tell you, you know, you've heard of, like, out-of-body experiences mm-hmm. type stuff like that. And I had a few of those. I had a few talks with somebody, mm-hmm. you know. not. I mean, I know who it was. Yeah, You um, can share. I mean, God, you know, God had, God had some talks with me, you know, and mm-hmm. uh, he saved my life, you mm-hmm. know, and he saved it for a reason. And... uh Every time, you know, this isn't my first overdose either, by the way. Uh, mm-hmm. This is my third real overdose. The other one, I didn't really actually die. So <laughs> I just, I just kind of blacked out. You know, <laughs> and there did, my pulse was still there. Uh, so this one to me also was not that, not that I think God wants to punish anybody. Mm-mm. Because he did make sure that I came back. Mm-hmm. And he is making sure that I heal. But mm-hmm. he gave me an actual consequence mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. I've not had a consequence yet, mm-hmm. period. Mm-hmm. And I also started to walk a month and a half earlier mm-hmm. than they ever said that I would even be able to put weight on it to walk. Yeah. And so <laughs> you, you, we, we were texting back and forth about the show the other day, and um, you told me you'd just gotten back from the gym. What did you do at the gym for three hours the other day? Sunday I played basketball for three hours. For running three, three on, hours. Running three wow. on three and four on four half court, and today we played four on four full court. Wow, full court. Yeah, I've got a, I've got a weird little what I would call a uh, running hop. Yeah, going. <laughs> but hey, you're doing it. Jump shot's still there. You're you know, doing body's it. intact. Um, Could you imagine and, the ability no. to push your body that far? No. no, and I'm definitely pushing because I also, you know, I was on my crutches. I fell and I broke my arm, and okay. I just came out of my cast Friday from a broken arm. So you're sharing with us before the show and, started. Uh, yeah. You know, I. If any of my doctors are listening, uh, <laughs> I'm sorry that I'm playing basketball already. <laughs> but, uh, you know, and it's just like, uh, and like Ginger was sharing, you know, I remember when the doctors came in and they had me do some stuff on paper, stuff like that. Cause they, my mom had asked the doctor when I went in for the surgery, should I come down there? And he was like, before you rush to come down here, let's at least get him in and out of surgery first. Cause one, we don't know if he's even going to be a vegetable or what he's going to be like, and you may mm-hmm. need to want to pr- make different Other, plans mm-hmm. than you just coming here yourself or whatever. And I hate to say this. He's like, but he may also die and pass away, mm-hmm. and you may want to make different arrangements and then just rushing down here and being here by yourself. And uh, so, mm. you know, it. Uh, they all came in, and mm. finally when I did all the stuff that I did, and uh, 
every single doctor and head doctor of departments, brain, you know, your, your, your every, neurology, every, everything, everything, everything has absolutely no single idea, period. Why I'm here, one, because of the time I was down, death and all that, the surgery, they have no idea how a human body even tolerated the stress and strain that was on me. Mm. Um, they've seen a lot of stuff yeah. in their day, a lot of stuff. No, no, to what they've been, to what those ones, and nothing of that. They've seen bad stuff where, like, oh my God, how did he come back? But the amount that was on one person like me, they have absolutely, they've never seen anything like it in their life. And on top of the fact that I have every single function, I can see perfect still. I can hear. Gosh. I can talk. I, my brain works fine. God, that's everything, good. Every single function. And I actually, I, I, I don't know. I kind of feel like I'm a little bit smarter on the whip than the head. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I was smart to begin with, but I had dozed down a little bit. But I feel like, you know, something came back extra. That's like clarity of recovery. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> clarity. You know, so I was in the hospital for, you know, like two months. Went to a little rehabilitation center off of the hospital. They helped me learn how to walk with crutches and, and a walker and stuff like that. And mm-hmm. um, they had given me a timeline on what it would probably be like for recovery, for mm-hmm. walking. You know, they, I got a lot of different timelines. People need to stop giving people timelines is all That's I'm right. going to say. That's right. That's right. That's right. Limitless. Because you give, you give the right person a timeline. Mm-hmm. It ain't going to happen. Mm-mm. Especially not, you know, if you get right. With mm-hmm. what you need to get right with. That's right. And we're limitless. Completely. Mm-hmm. I want to know a little bit about like what the, um, what your kind of mindset was coming out of all that in regards to your recovery and what that experience of that, just that trauma and overdose and um, that physical just. And how did it make you feel about wanting to use again? Yeah, like, like, there's what? a part of you, I'm sure, that was like, dude, I'm never using again. Um, but then a part of you in so much pain, I can't. Yeah, they. Uh, you talked to me earlier about not understanding why I'm still here. Yeah, they had me on pain medicine, of course. I mean, uh, just, I mean, there was no choice. They had to. Yeah. I mean, yeah. opiates was my thing, but they had no choice. But uh, I, mean, I actually got to a point to where I told them to take me off of it. Because I was done. I knew that I needed to make a change, and I had been involved mm. in and out of the program before, yeah. and I knew that this was it. And mm. I knew, and they told me, a doctor, one of the doctors told me, he, the kid, I think it was the kidney doctor, because you know he was internal stuff, and he told mm-hmm. me, he said, I'm just gonna let you know something. He's like, you can use again if you want to, mm-hmm. but I'm gonna let you know something. You will not come back. Mm-hmm. Your body will not do it again. Mm-hmm. Even though you're good and you're healthy right now and everything, mm-hmm. you, the internal part of you, your overall body only has so many times that it can take mm-hmm. a certain type of trauma Especially and your bounce kidneys. back from mm-hmm. it. Um, so, And I knew. I mean, I woke up scared to death, you know, and, like, a lot of time was spent in the hospital before I was there. I had a lot of time to think about stuff. And, you know, um, seeing my mom sitting there in tears, you know, and uh, think just thinking about just thinking about my life in general. And how many times I had tried and how many chances I had gotten. And I didn't want to live like that anymore. And I and I didn't want to ever have to feel what I was feeling sitting there in that hospital bed. Mm-hmm. Of like having the nurses take care of you and help you, you know, use the bathroom and even all these different tubes and stuff in you. Because I was brought up that, you know, you didn't really go to the doctor or take medicine for anything. You know, my granddaddy barely took an aspirin for a headache. You know, the body takes care of itself. Um my family was huge. People in my family were reaching out that I hadn't talked to in 10 years, you know, and 
I've repaired some of those relationships because of what I am doing today. That's awesome. Um, but uh, I knew, I'll put it this way, you'll know when you know mm-hmm. that your bottom's your bottom. Mm-hmm. You'll know when you're done. When the consequences get great enough, yeah, we do something yeah, different. Um, I've been done before, but I was never really at my bottom. I was done because I was miserable, I was tired, didn't have a place, whatever. There's been plenty of times that I'm sure people can relate, and I know I can, that I was done until I got things going again and in order, and you know mm-hmm. I was back at it again. But when you hit what we call a bottom, mm-hmm. and you're literally at your bottom, mm-hmm. and uh, I knew I was there, um, didn't have nothing, found all the stuff at the place I was living at, all my stuff was gone, I mm. lost everything, lost everything I owned, um sitting in a hospital you know and uh didn't have a job didn't have no money didn't have no nothing Mm -hmm. so you know my recovery i knew that i needed to get myself right and find out and figure out what i could do to make my life manageable joyful and just be able to live a life to where i realized that i didn't have to Medicate, and my medicate, my me medicating or using drugs was I was a self medicator. With my ADHD, you know, for instance, cocaine and meth and stuff like that, they take me down. I don't go up; they take me down. And then, of course, when I found heroin, the reason I did heroin the way I did is because from the sports and from construction accidents, I had pain as well. So not only did the heroin take me down, it took care of my pain. Um, and I needed to figure out a way to to manage that without the use of drugs mm-hmm. and uh that was underneath a physician's care a doctor's care and i'm still not on any major medicine because i won't take it mm-hmm. but that's because i I'm, i mentally in my head can get myself in a different place like for instance i was sharing i took i told them i wanted to take take me off this pain medicine i don't want it anymore i said because this is exactly what's gotten me in a spot mm-hmm. and i knew that they were going to write me scripts when i went to leave and stuff mm-hmm. so i got myself off of it but they wouldn't take me off of it. They said, please give us two more days because you will not be able to tolerate the pain. Mm-hmm. And they took me off two days later. Boy, they weren't lying. <laughs> Boy, that was miserable. Yep. But you know what? Mm-hmm. I I started preparing myself then mm-hmm. because the sooner I could start, the better. Mm-hmm. Because I didn't want to hit the street Mm-mm. and have to detox or Mm-mm. get clean. Because they took me off. They didn't just drop me off of it. They mm-hmm. took me off slowly. Mm-hmm basically you know and uh right there i knew in my head too like you're starting man mm-hmm. because the old brian uh, i'm gonna complain and tell you how bad it still hurts even with what you're giving me mm-hmm. step it up yeah. or i'm the guy that when they give you the button you're holding the line so you can get <laughs> two or three four mm-hmm. shots in there and then you let it go you know <laughs> God. yeah that's the type of guy i was but um life's good today man um, was, was there any consequences from your parole no, um, my PO, clear, right? my PO was very upset and worried about what happened. Mm-hmm. Was glad I was okay and alive. Mm-hmm. My mom talked to him, and he said, "I'm gonna let his time count." Okay. Still, he said, "We can't violate him for an overdose. Mm-mm. We you can't yeah. you can, we can't put him in jail or violate him for that." And let let's, she, let's. He said, "Don't get me wrong. Technically, yeah, he failed the drug test. He's yeah. like, but I'm not gonna hit him with that. And put it in. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, and I came off." I came off parole June 7th. 
Praise God. Yeah. For the first time in 14 years, like I shared earlier, I'm not on paper, probation, oh, parole, or stuff. prison. That's good stuff. So, so now there's not even a force keeping you clean. Because when there was, you weren't even nah, clean No, it's straight anyway. me right there's now. A force. Yeah, it's so me. That's good. You know, it's that's me. Good. But, uh, but, but let's talk about that for just a minute, what you said. Because, um, you know, we service Western North Carolina. We reach out to North Carolina. <clears throat> and I, and I want to just educate some of our audience on some stuff um, because I do work in a syringe exchange and I want you to understand what the laws are and how you can protect and govern yourself inside that situation. Um, in active addiction, um, if you're still using and you suffer from an overdose and you're on parole, probation, um, pretrial, bond, um, anything of that nature, you cannot be revocated, brought to jail, given time, arrested, anything for an overdose. Um, it is against North Carolina state law. Okay. Um, That's good to know. Uh, yeah. Also, um, if you are involved in an overdose, which means you're at a buddy's house and, and y'all are all getting tore up and and one of them ods um and you assist them with the use of narcan nasally or im um and you call police and you call 911 and you bring them back which is always important a lot of times people come back from narcan and then they think they're good. They don't have to call the hospital. But you can actually slip back into another overdose. You mm-hmm. need to be maintained, your your livelihoods, your stats. You know, you need to become stable first. And so if I call, if I was had that experience and I called 911, <clears throat> as long as I identify who I am and I say, you know, I'm, this is Ginger Malcolm and I've just witnessed an overdose, I've administered Narcan, I cannot be prosecuted. If they come to the house and there's a a minuscule, I mean, a, a small amount of heroin, which is usually less than 3.99 grams, um, needles, paraphernalia, all that stuff in the house, you cannot be prosecuted for that in the event of an overdose. Um, you, if you have clean needles or if you're going to drop off dirty needles um, at a biohazard place, which you can drop off um, used syringes at the um, Buncombe County um, transfer station. You just tell them you have biohazard. You go up, you dump it in the container, and you leave. There's no consequences there. Um, or you can bring them to WinCap where I work at 5554 Fairview Avenue, you know, or Fairview Road in Asheville. Um, we take them, we dispose of them properly. There's no consequences there. Um, and also, if you ever get pulled over and you're asked, do you have any needles on you? As long as you admit, yes, I have a needle on me, they can't prosecute you. They can't lock you up. Mm-hmm. None of that. All of that is in violation of Georgia, of North Carolina state law. Mm-hmm. And, um, so I just want people to know that because I want you to know what you need to do if you help somebody. Mm-hmm. And I need you to know that you're okay and you're safe if you mm-hmm. do help somebody. Um, if you don't disclose your name to 911 and you leave the scene and that person ends up dying, they can come after you. Mm-hmm. You know, you have to be responsible in these choices. And if you're going to help somebody, you know, you got to be willing to help to just stick it out, you know, and do the right thing. And, um, and we, you know, we dispense Narcan at WinCap. We dispense, uh, I am Narcans at WinCap. Um, all that stuff is readily available, you know, and, um, and then, and then too, you know, just to know that, um, that, that I'm there and I'm a peer support specialist and it's a pathway, you know, mm-hmm. and, um, and when you're ready, we're there. And if you're not, it's okay. It's a safe place. 
and um, because it takes us all a while to get there. Um, you know, that's just some important stuff I think we need to share. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Mission Life's great today, man. Talk about what what you've learned in the process, walking back into the rooms and kind of what that experience has been like um, this time around. Everybody was still there waiting to love me. <laughs> <laughs> I tell people that all the time. I'll um, be here when you get back. Uh, you know, um, you know, usually hit you with the, did you have fun? And, you know, was it worth it? For anybody who's listening, you know, it ain't no different out there. It's, a, it's 10 times worse than it was yesterday. Yeah, I said 10 times worse than just yesterday. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, it's amazing. You know, uh, life's good, you know, um, being clean, being sober. You know, things are happening in my life, you know, fixing to probably have my license back in about two months, um, which I don't ever think I thought that was ever going to happen. I'm not on parole anymore. Mm. Um, you know, I'm fixing to probably uh, start work somewhere. I'm not sure not sure what I'm going to do yet because I'm not, I'm not physically 100% enough good enough to go on a job site or go welding yet on a job mm-hmm. site. So we're going to figure out something to do in the meantime. Um, it's looking like, uh, you know, I may get paid actually go, to go to school. <laughs> I've got something worked out through a program that they're going to probably pay me to learn, like, computer skills and this, that, and the third about programming and certain things to do with programs that businesses will use and mm-hmm. stuff, which in the long run is a is a is something I have to fall back on as I get older If if I, for some reason, you know, I get older and, you know, 50, 60 years old, you know, you don't see many people still yeah. slinging around a job uh-huh. site. Might be in, in a front management, which is what I'm hoping to do, get back in the job and get back in the management part of it. But if I don't have anything to fall back on, I'm screwed. So, you know, I'm also looking at this part of my life is now that I'm thinking about my life and I'm being responsible and I'm being an adult and I'm being trying to be a productive member of society, it's not only giving back to the community, it's not only being there for another addict or, you know, giving back to the program but it's also doing things that i need to do to have a better and productive life for myself mm-hmm. and what does that look like like specifically um, what you is know that? for instance take for me i would have never taken go back to school for classes whether yeah. you paid me or not you know yeah. scratch mm-hmm. that so that alone um you know i uh i'm here on the show for instance yeah. you know uh, i'm planning on going into some other stuff with ginger and doing whatever i really whatever i can get my hands on Okay. giving back talking to kids sharing you know um i think an amazing thing i saw that i wanted to comment on is he wears a bracelet around mm-hmm. his arm that says give it away I you know yeah. giving it away or does it say giving it away or give no, it away? giving giving G- giving it away. it away like that's what we do mm-hmm. yeah and, um, and that's because it was so freely given to me mm-hmm. with no expense and nothing nothing intended in return you know, and like for instance, uh, if, I, if I'm in, unconditional, if, I, if somebody comes and asks me for some help and I can help them, mm-hmm. I'm not expecting anything in return mm-hmm. except the hope that I was able to help them through something mm-hmm. or maybe plan to seed to hopefully save their life at some point. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, on top of that, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm in meetings uh, at least one a day, sometimes twice a day. Um, you know, I'm going to functions. I, I do stuff for functions. Uh, I participate in functions, you know, um, uh, I am the, uh, I'm the holder of a set of keys for a church right now. I'm, you know, I'm the head of, for my home group, you know, and stuff like that. 
And you know, to to, to know that somebody trusts me with You're a set a of keys, yeah. you know, with a set of keys <laughs> to a church, you know, uh, much appreciated. Um, and uh, you know, I, my phone never is not on. Um, I put my phone number down on a on a you know on, on a sheet every every time you know, or I will give it to anybody that asks for it. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, I don't care. You know, I'm the type of person. I don't. I'm not one of those that says, you know, hey, if it's after nine o'clock, you know, mm-hmm. only call me if it's like serious. You know, no, I'm the type of guy that I don't care what yeah. it is. You could call me and tell me you and your girl just got into a fight, and you need to talk to somebody mm-hmm. because people did that for me. Yep. And people have done that and are doing that for me. Mm-hmm. You know, I also have and meet and regularly talk to a sponsor, mm-hmm. somebody who's guiding me through my life and my decisions, mm-hmm. and through a program that I choose to work. There are many out there. You know, I'm not going to sit here and put harp on any single one, but there are programs out there. And, you know, I'm not saying you have to have a program to get clean either. That's but right. You don't you don't necessarily have to have a program. You That's know? right. Yeah, it, for me, for me, it's a program and churches and God, you know, it's yeah. both. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, they, I, I can't do it with I can't do one without the other. That's right. That's just that's just period. You know, mm-hmm. um, I've tried. I know what doesn't work for me and I, I can't speak for anybody else. That's good. I can share experience. Like my sponsor, even he's like, I'm not, I'm not gonna tell you what to do. He's like, but I'm gonna give you my experience. I'm gonna suggest something to you, and then it's on you. He goes, but you know, because he's not, no one's gonna physically tell you what to do. Because I was the type of person that if you physically tried to tell me what to do, I was doing the exact opposite. Yeah, I was sure, the confessor. Sure. You know, you know, you um, know I, I was the confessor. I was the one that did it and then called my sponsor and was like, um, guess what I just did? Yeah, yeah, I've like, done I that. I just threw yeah, some yeah. chairs in the meeting and cussed everybody <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. out. And, done that yeah. too. Yeah. Been there. I was you the know, confessor. What? Like, why couldn't you have called me like three minutes earlier? Well, probably because I didn't want you to give me a suggestion to try to stop doing what I wanted to do. <laughs> what do you mean? I knew exactly what you were going to say. <laughs> yeah. I know, that's the story of our life. What, but, about, uh, what about home life, man? Like, where are you staying at? What's that like? I live at a halfway house right uh-huh. now, and uh, it's an amazing place. Beautiful uh, place. Beautiful Why place. don't you hype that place up? Give them a shout out. That's a great uh, place. Ridge Recovery. Um, okay. It's over off of Lester Highway. Uh, I don't know if I'm going to put his name out there. You guys can look us up on his, on the website. It may be under construction still, but uh, yeah, it's called Ridge Recovery. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Ridge Recovery <laughs> Homes. Um, <laughs> But yeah, I'm not Beautiful sure. house. Yeah, Great place uh, to get clean. I don't want to put his, I don't yeah, know yeah, if no, he'd be comfortable cool. with me putting his name out there. He doesn't like to advertise necessarily. Can you like, talk a little bit about what like life in the house is like and what the like, um, expectations are? I mean, there's are a bunch. There's, huh? there's four of us there. Huh? And um, they're at this house, it is a 24-7 staff that's there. But they're not like staff, y'all, like, you know, rehabilitation staff like that. They're not up your butt all the time and stuff like that. They're... There, there are other addicted addicts that were that are in the program or have been in the program or have suffered from some sort of addiction in their life as well, and they're there to assist you in your life, your recovery, anything you need to talk about. You know, we also have uh, we do therapy. We have therapists. You know, they give you rides. They make sure you get to what you need to get to. Make sure you can see a doctor and get your medicine. Um, Sunday nights we do this gigantic meal with a nutritionist that comes in. She brings food. We we all learn how to cook certain types of foods. Um, beautiful house, beautiful view. I mean, th- then we have activities we do throughout the week. On the weekend we do a gigantic activity. Um, like for instance, in October, you know the however many people are in the house. I mean, we're all going to you know uh, Scarrowins and stuff like that, okay. and we ain't paying for none of it. 
Yeah. You know, um, I mean, I guess we are kind of paying for it. <laughs> 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 Sorry, man. I kind of kind of blew that one. <laughs> um, but <laughs> but it's great, man, because the 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 you. You got guys living in the house with you that did or have done the exact same thing, maybe worse, maybe less, but at the end of the day, we all have one thing in common, you know, some sort of an addictive behavior of sorts, or even if it wasn't that necessarily, we had a an issue with an unmanageability of our lives, mm-hmm. period. It That's doesn't it. necessarily have to be drugs, mm-hmm. you know, it could be money, it could be women, fast cars, it could be food, I mean... It is what it is, but um, we have one common thing and problem. We suffer from being, uh, uh, we have an unmanageability. Mm. And mm. Uh, that's a good way to look at it. And yeah. the aura in that house is. Um, yeah. The house is really I've good. I've been in and out of a lot of houses mm-hmm. and a it's lot a, of rehabs and a lot a of recovery aura. places. And it's uh That's why I was asking about place it because you hear so many horror stories. Of, it's a great place. Yeah. It's amazing there. Okay. And. Um, you know, if anybody's looking for a place to go or looking for something um, and wants to get advice or wants to get, you know, an opinion, you know, he, the person who owns Ridge Recovery Homes would be a great person to talk to, maybe get suggestions. Sure. If if uh, the house that I live at isn't financially, you know, suitable or um, able to have, um, there are plenty other homes in Asheville, um, some good, some okay, and some not so good. And um, I made a mistake of actually getting involved in a house that was definitely not so good. And I would hate to see somebody fall into it. Now, I'm not saying that it may be for the next person. It might not be. But at least if you were willing to talk to somebody who is in a position, in a job position even, that can get your background, get your understanding, and then have an idea of where they felt somewhere comfortable probably would mm-hmm. be for you to go. Because yeah. if somebody would have talked to me and found out my past and mm-hmm. talked to me, the dude that owns the house I'm at would never have let me go to the house I was going to. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? Um, but, yeah, life's good, man. What's life's ne- amazing. What's next for you, man? What's your, what, give me some of your goals. You talked about, like, getting into school and being of service. Doing, and, all, doing yeah. anything I can with the service, with Ginger and stuff like that, and reaching out. Um, I want to eventually get on with some of the guys in my group and do uh, going into the jails. You know, mm-hmm. institutions, I want to go into the prisons mm-hmm. as well and some of the detoxes and stuff. Um, been there, done that, know exactly mm-hmm. what it's like. Another big one for me is I share this to a lot of people. You know, a lot of you hear a lot of people saying that they're trying to help people. They're trying to give back. They're mm-hmm. trying to do this for the youth and this for the kids. And Ginger says a lot, man, she's actually doing stuff, though. But on top of that, uh, a lot of these other places that say they're doing stuff, you know, they say they're having these events mm-hmm. come to them. At the end of the day... Ain't nobody going into the ghetto. Ain't nobody actually going into mm-hmm. the hood mm-hmm. and reaching out to kids mm-hmm. and actually talking to them, mm-hmm. you know, because all they're seeing is, you know, their mom and dad mm-hmm. slinging dope, gang banging, mm-hmm. shooting guns, well, and a pocket full of money. Mm-hmm. Most kids are going to grow up and want to be like their daddy or their mama, you know, but who's going in there to try to help say, hey, you know, we can... School, help with school, help help with whatever. Mm-hmm. What, what, just be a positive role, just showing yeah. your face, just a mentor, and just mm-hmm. right, just even mm-hmm. even showing up on a regular, mm-hmm. just to walk around, talk mm-hmm. to people. And I think that's a good point that you make, and and I I think it is a um, 
is an example of the pathway that's been laid out for you that you may not even realize mm-hmm. yet because it, the adolescence, it's all about consistency. Mm-hmm. They want consistency. Completely. Nothing in their life is consistent. Mm-mm. And um, they're not even consistent. Nope. So they need um, someone who's going to be consistent. And, you know, and then you've got, you know, you've got the other issue. Uh, and don't take this don't the wrong way, anybody, or get offended. There's a lot of people that are scared to death to go into them places. Yeah, and but that's where you know, you know you're called to be. Right, and I, is, I could care less about yeah. walking up in any of the places in Asheville. It don't matter to and me. And when none, we start you know? to work in recovery and become of service, that's where we are. Like, I'm in the trenches, mm-hmm. like literally in the trenches every day. I am with people that are still in active addiction, yeah. yep. you know, still using every day and just loving on people who don't think they deserve to be loved on. Yeah. Um, and that's a big one, like she just said, because most of those kids and stuff aren't really being shown love. Mm-hmm. And that's where it's at. No one gets this thing. The opposite of addiction is connection. Yeah, Nobody that. gets this thing without love. Love, love, love heals all things. Brian, if you could uh, define your personal... Uh-oh experience your personal view definition of recovery in three or four words a sentence what would that be oh man um, i heard a lot of common things tonight in my eyes recovery um you know i i don't i'm gonna try to put it in sentences because it's gonna be hard for just words recovery doesn't necessarily mean There's a part of me that believes that recovery starts even before you're necessarily clean. <laughs> the fact that you're thinking about it, wanting to, you've tried it. The desire. The, desi- the desire. You've <laughs> reached out. You've maybe even come in and, and tried it and, you know, you fall back out and stuff. But each little time you're, you're recovering and you don't even know it. Mm. Because I can remember that first meeting that I went to when I came down here from New Jersey. Mm. And ever since then... There has always been some sort of little in the back of my head voice or noise or whatever of something greater than myself, mm. you know, saying, you know, you don't have to live like this. You don't have to use da 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 da. Um, but then on top of that, recovery is also being clean, being involved in a solid program of some sorts. A pathway. Uh, a pathway. Mm-hmm. Being communicative with other people of similar you know, issues, um, and sharing it, um, living a different life. For me, recovery for me was Brian having to finally be Brian yeah. mm. without any substance mm. or mind altering chemicals. Mm. That's my recovery. Mm-hmm. Cause it's allowed me to be Brian for once yeah. and allow a doctor, you know, the human body is a very you know, yeah. special piece of equipment. We're like, you know, we're all different. So like your, your chemicals that run through your body and gingers are totally different. So I may need, you know, it's kind of like a car needing an oil change or eventually needing a tune-up. You know, the body is such an oiled machine that, you know, sometimes you have to let a doctor put you on a little something to finally fine-tune that machine to run okay. Yeah. Well, my machine wasn't running okay, so I tried to make my machine run okay and I'm not a doctor. <laughs> I might have been a street. I might have been a street pharmacist at one point. You know, I'm so glad you finally realized. Yeah, that. I might have been the street pharmacist at one point, but I'm definitely not, not a, doctor. a doctor. 
And finally, when I finally, and here's the other one for recovery too, when I finally let somebody else help me. Bam. Yeah. Can't tell help how to help Okay. Because God. this isn't, I've learned along the line too that recovery is not an I thing. Mm-mm. It's a we thing because I can't keep myself clean. That's right. I don't care how hard I try, I will never be able to keep myself clean alone. Period. That's right. So, all right. So, wait before you get time in here, Stephen. Yeah, nobody ever asks you the questions. Uh-huh. So, give me I'll, your sentence of recovery. Um, well, okay, I would, I can do that. I'm actually telling my story on October 4th. Where third or fourth here? here. Yeah, whoa, here. whoa, yeah, for who's sure. questioning you? I don't know yet. Probably Kayla, Kayla, Maybe. and Caitlin. I don't know yet. Um, oh, I need to get on that one for sure. I think that is just my <laughs> my my definition of recovery would would really just start with like acceptance mm-hmm. and accepting life on life term life's mm-hmm. terms. If you can do that, like all the other things kind of fall mm-hmm. into place. Um, if I can f- honestly accept the circumstances that I'm faced with on a daily, consistent basis, mm-hmm. um, without allowing my mind my emotions to either resist them or attract you know pull mm-hmm. attach to them mm-hmm. um and just just accepting life the way that it is the problem my problem happens is when i try to manipulate it to fit my to work on my Ooh. terms that's it i mean Ooh, don't say that yeah, that's when it starts going oh, bad that bites. So, but i wanted to ask brian yeah it does it totally does i wanted to ask brian with what you just described um, what does it feel like to be Brian, to finally be oh, Brian? Oh, yeah, that's a great question. Right? Because you said that's what it was, is when you could finally be yourself. Um, Wow, that's a... That's a I don't think I've ever been asked that question. What does it feel like? <laughs> um, He's the real deal, dude. The real... Golly, my bad, I keep hitting the microphone. I'm going to take this thing off the table. Um. What is it? We feel? don't own these ones, man. Okay. Ours are in the bees, mail. They're coming bees, soon. Bees. No big deal here. Bees. Uh, maybe if I break this one, I won't have to answer the question. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> no, come on. What does uh, it mean to be Brian? <clears throat> what does it mean to be Brian? What does it feel like to be Brian? It's an amazing feeling because finally for once, Brian doesn't have to be fake. Mm. Doesn't have to hide how he feels. He doesn't have to lie about something. Mm. And doesn't have to, like, at some point, be like, Oh, was that a lie or was that the truth? Like, cause you, like, did I tell her? Eventually, did I tell him? eventually, you become so accustomed to your lies that you actually start to believe them mm-hmm. and you believe that they're real. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. like I know out here in this program and in the world, we've got a bunch of like scar faces out there. You know, at the end of the day, but <laughs> not a single one of them have ever moved more than a little gram. They've done smoke themselves. But for instance, that's an example. Like, I get to be me though, mm-hmm. without any falsities. Mm-hmm. Um. But also, like, the lies, like, it was like I almost had to get a notebook to keep track of the lies so that I wouldn't mess up mm-hmm. telling somebody something that I forgot that I told them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, yeah. I didn't, of course, I didn't have a notebook because that would have been, like, treacherous. Evidence. Yeah, evidence, <laughs> evidence as well, but treacherous to try to keep track of that. But, you know, on top of that, I have a joy today. Mm-hmm. I've been happy before. Jesus. I've smiled, you know, I've been happy. I, um, like I said, I've had a good life. Even with mm-hmm. all the bad stuff, I've had a good life. Mm-hmm. Family's been there. Still, but I have an internal joy 
of a candle that like is lit. Mm-hmm. Mm. I'm actually happy, happy, not just on the outside, but on the inside. Don't get me wrong. There's still some stuff that I'm working on and I'm working oh, yeah. through. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but oh, from no. where I've come from, from March 28th to today, bam! not only just with the physical stuff, but the internal and mental stuff that I have changed in my life. Nobody in their life in my family would have ever, ever thought they were ever going to get from Brian. Yeah. Never. And it's and all- the worst, and just real, I'm yeah, sorry to cut you off, the worst part about all of it, and I share this because I yearn for people to get this, get clean before they mm-hmm. overdose or they lose somebody because while I was in prison, I lost my grandparents who were like my second set of parents. My grandfather mm-hmm. was everything. My grandmother was everything. I mean, I was the type of guy that if we were having dinner and I was when I was living there or whatever, my grandmother would not let my grandfather eat dinner till I got there. Like dinner mm-hmm. waited for me. Mm-hmm. Or anytime I came in, it was Aww. she cooked me food, did my laundry. You know, my grandma was my grandma. She did everything. Do you want a sandwich? She'd come in there. If I was awake at 1230 and she happened to wake up for a glass of milk, she'd come in there and say, you want me to make you a sandwich, Ryan? You know, but I lost them while I was in prison because of some of the things I was doing. Mm-hmm. And I, they, they died within 12 hours of each other. Oh, oh my gosh. Okay. And that's another, that's another story in itself. But the last thing my grandfather mm-hmm. said on his deathbed to my mother was, and he's told me, well, Brian, you're so much better than this. You know, just get your life together. You know, you know what you could have. And he's right. I could have. And I still can. I'm yeah. 34 years you old. Will. I'm 34 years You're old. Doing it. And You're I mean, doing it. Check in with me in a year, mm-hmm. you know. But uh, he told my mother, he said, tell Brian I love him. Because I talked to him one time before he went into the hospital and he died. Um, he could barely hear on the phone, but, you know, it was good to hear his voice. And he told me, he told my mom, tell him that we love him. I love him. And please get his life together and get clean. He's like, that's all I want and that's all I ask. Mm-hmm. And he passed away. He closed his eyes and he died. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's really hard to get, um, I'm not trying to get off track, but I, I worked on the bridge program while I was in prison, prison um, fighting all these forest fires we had in 2016. The real bad ones yeah, all through yeah. here. I was one of the head chainsaw guys on our hotshot okay. crew, flying around in helicopters and stuff while I was in prison. And I came in from, I think we had been out for like two days. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I came in and I mean I'm exhausted. I'm ready to go to bed and they call me. They told me I need to go see the chaplain. He tells me to come in and sit down and you know I get there and I sit down and he's got this look on his face and I was like, "What's wrong?" He's like, "Brian, I got something to tell you and I don't know how to break this to you and I don't know how to tell you this." He's like, "I've never had to do this before." I'm like, "What the heck is he doing?" I said, "Is my mom okay?" By the way, anybody can tell my mom's boy. I love my mom to death. Oh god. And uh he said, no, your mom's fine. I said, is my dad all right? My brother? You know, they're okay. He said, Brian, uh, your grandfather passed away. I about lost it. And I'm bawling. I mean, I'm, and on top of that, I had been up for, you know, like I said, two days fighting fires. And we had been going out almost every day. So, I mean, I'm, I'm shot, worn out. We had actually pulled almost a three-week set, and they were finally going to give us like two days off in a row. And uh, he said, Brian, that's not it. And he said, your grandmother passed away too. 12 hours later Mm. and uh it hurts believe me and if anybody can relate to just death and what that must have felt like it's horrible Mm -hmm. do it behind a prison fence Mm. knowing that you're in prison because you decided to make a third or fourth bad decision 
that not your family has continually tried to get you out of. Mm-hmm. Just try to just try to if anybody can try to emotionalize that, it's uh it's real. Mm-hmm. And and with all that that I've said and the pain that I've put my family through, um, everything's okay today. I'm okay today. Yeah, I've dealt with it. Mm-hmm. Um, I've asked for forgiveness on it. Mm-hmm. And I've been given that forgiveness. And uh I know my grandparents watch me every day today. Mm-hmm. And uh I know that my grandfather's smiling. That's and right. no my grandfather's, doubt. you know, no applauding me for what I'm doing right now. My no. grandfather knows what's headed. No mm-hmm. doubt. So the, the entire family's very proud of yeah, you yeah. for sure. So Oh totally. Most definitely. Courtney. Yeah, dude, they gotta but, uh, be they gotta be super proud of you, man. Oh yeah, you're and doing it. Bro. There's a part of me that thinks yeah. you know they might have pulled a little card with you know the Lord Himself. My grandfather might have been like, listen. Uh, <laughs> I'm gonna need you to get I'm this. I'm gonna need straight. you to help me out I'm real quick you with this. You know, y'all may build you yeah. like a, a little sleeper back here, but you know I love my grandparents love to it. death, and I hate so I hate that they couldn't have gotten to see me. But everybody's yeah. like, dude. They're and then I think about it, they're seeing me. They watch me every day. Yeah, they know it's That's up. one of the reasons, I, and I, on top of the Lord, it's one of the reasons I'm healing so quick. Yeah. But it's only by the grace of God, period. Yeah. I don't, I'm that's not trying right. to preach to nobody. Because like I said, your story. Every, everybody believes, you know, what they believe in, but. But that's your story. Believe me. There, I, I'll, I'll just say this and I'll shut up. Uh, one night, the other night, two nights ago, I think the stars were out. And I just happened to look up with another person and we were just looking at stuff and she was like, look at that shooting star, you know. And the old Brian wouldn't have, doesn't wouldn't have paid attention to like the world, the trees, the this, the that, mm-hmm. the sunrise, the sunset, the da 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 da, stars and stuff like that. When you look at that and you really think about something like that, you say to yourself, "How much bigger it is than you." And it just, it, it, I don't know. It, it gives me, it yeah. gave me this feeling of like just knowing that there was something way bigger than myself. And and how can you not truly think that there isn't? Mm-hmm. I mean, come on. Yeah. I mean, but anyway. So, so I'm gonna throw you a curveball. Uh oh. Right. I'm gonna pull out a couple of pictures that I saved on my phone. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> we love this. I happen to I happen to scope them off your Facebook page. Oh man. And Not I Instagram. Want, <laughs> no, no, you don't want to go on. Yeah, no, don't no. go on Instagram. I couldn't find it. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, you don't I was want kind Instagram. Of Maybe late, that's but, a good thing. Yes, yeah, I, I scope these scope these off your Facebook page. What I want you to do is I want you to describe to our listeners first what's taking place. Okay. And then tell me a little bit of the story behind the picture. Like, why did you decide that this is such an awesome picture time that I'm gonna take a picture of it and post it on my Facebook. Okay. All right, you ready right. to do this? Yeah, yeah. Let's see what we got, side Ginger. Swipe. So, totally sideswipe. <laughs> you didn't know this was coming. No, I don't think so. I don't think so. <laughs> no, you didn't. Oh, All right, love so it. what's happening here? What is happening in this picture? Why? Um, well, I'm in my cast still then, too, but that's uh, that's Haley. Oh, sorry. I'm in my cast still. That's Haley. That's my horse um, for uh, equine therapy. Um, that... Uh, we do through the house. Oh, that we do through the house. I'm um, trying to think. What were we doing that day? Um, I was so getting. Who's, who's Haley? Haley's your horse. Haley's the horse, <laughs> and uh, uh-huh. we were trying to get. Uh, I've got the training stick with me. It's got a rope on it, and getting her to like pay attention to it, and then follow and turn and follow me. 
and uh, me and her got a really good connection. She works for me very well. That was my first day, and I had that horse okay. doing all kinds of stuff. And that's something that's offered at Ridge Recovery. Yeah, that's yeah. something that's offered. Have you experienced some pretty positive results from the equine therapy? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Because when we're done with it at the end of the day, uh, the lady will break it down and we talk to it about we talk to her about it like about how can we connect it with recovery. Okay. Yeah. So it's pretty cool. What you learned mm-hmm. and how you can apply that yeah, to yeah, your totally. life and that sort of thing. Totally. All right. Number two, bro. Number two. Here we go. What's that? Um, that was we went on a hike to I think that was Craigie Pinnacle, and um. It was my first hike that I've had since I've been out and doing all this. I laced my boots back up, my work boots, and it helped hold my my uh, my ankle and my drop foot up. And uh, I hiked a mile in and a mile out. Wow. Um, How long ago was this? I had been off my crutches for like two weeks. Dude. Dude. That's crazy, man. And they told me he wasn't even going to be able to <laughs> use crazy. that leg. Yeah. I wasn't even going to be able to I use that I had been off leg. my crutches oh. for like two, two and a half weeks. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. All right, so here's oh the last God. one. Are you ready for this one? I don't know. It might we're get gonna, emotional. I feel like we're getting... the last one. We're going to wrap it up. Uh, that's my broken arm. Um, which was that's a pretty se- bad. It was a serious break. It was a shatter, jagged shatter break with a second off point pin piece something they called it still because on that crutches. little yes because uh, that little piece will rub all on your nerves and stuff yeah. so the whole time even while it was in the cast healing that's rubbing and it's bad it's super bad in crutches uh, yeah I, I don't think i ever posted the brand newest picture with all the <laughs> yeah. calcium around <laughs> it but it's there's a knot there if you can feel the knot there's a Nice oh, knock yeah. down. Ugh. Nah, man, don't squeeze that hard, man. <laughs> yeah, it still it. hurts pretty bad. Um, like I said, I probably shouldn't be playing basketball yet, but yeah. you know. Uh, but yeah, that uh, that was that was uh, that was a that was a rough experience going through that yeah. because uh, here I am getting put into a cast and uh, I'm on crutches and a cast and it's on both on the exact same side. I'm like, man, I'm just gonna fall over. <laughs> You know, because now I couldn't use the crutches anymore either. Yeah. So here I am getting a cast put on the hospital. I'm like, what, what the heck am do? I supposed to do now? Because mm-hmm. I can't use my crutches anymore. Mm-hmm. Oh, now I'm wheelchair bound, you know. And uh, I was. I was wheelchair bound f- for a little bit there. I uh, I actually got them to keep me in the hospital, um, which they didn't want to. Um, I had to say a few things in order to get me kept in the hospital. Um, but it, it is what it was. And... um. I uh, actually, I'm grateful that I was because I had some papers sitting on a desk that I needed to get to and I was sitting on my bed and they, they tell you, you know, you'll do stuff and not even think about it. And when you can finally get the brain out of its element of thinking about it, because I think I was scared about even trying to walk Mm -hmm. because before I knew it, I was over at the desk with the papers and I was like, and I looked down, I looked over, my crutches were like against at that point, like the crutches and stuff and or the wheelchair was over there. You know, because they were trying to have me use one crutch and then my wheelchair was over there and I was like, and I screamed. I said, oh my goodness, I walked, you know, and I mean, I'm screaming, nurses coming, running in. They're like, what's wrong? I said, nothing, get out of my way. And I'm up and down the hallways, you know, and, uh, you know, that's a, that was another miracle. Powerful. What yeah. an amazing story. What an amazing miracle of life yeah. you are. Brian, I appreciate Touch you coming. It's not by anything I did, by the way. Yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm physically trying. I'm physically, trying, work, I'm physically though, trying and pushing, but it yeah. ain't. It's not me that's doing it though, because there's a reason I'm doing what I'm doing. You're, and uh, you're putting in the work, brother. You are putting in the work. We do the footwork. We let God do the rest. That's right. Yes, ma'am. Yes. So we have a special guest star here. Yeah. It shows how recovery is real. What did she tell me? I said, do you want to speak? 
No. Before okay. we say goodbye? Before we say goodbye? Nothing to say this about recovery? This is Gracelyn Jane, who has made multiple videos about recovery. You can find them on Ginger's Facebook page. She doesn't want to. Uh, she doesn't want them broadcasted out. But go to Ginger's Facebook page, and you can catch all of her. We're gonna add some to the videos. NC Raw page. We sure are. This little five-year-old talks about recovery. She's. See, she doesn't want us want it broadcast out. But yeah, Brian, I appreciate you joining us. I dude. appreciate hey, y'all letting me be on here, man. I look forward to doing this again at another time. In yeah, the future, almost definitely. Man. I'd love to come back on, or you know, talk at any a other time bit that, about how your recovery has yeah, evolved. Yeah, I'd love to stay involved, man. Yeah. I'm trying to get majorly involved. You know, I'm there for people. You know, got an open uh, invite for you, bro. Yeah. You uh, I say people could reach out to me if they want to, but I don't really want to just broadcast my information out like that. That's okay. You so, can connect with um, you through our like. Facebook I mean, they can look my name up on yeah. Facebook if they're really, if they're really that NC serious Raw. about it. You know, you'll see it on NC Raw if you're really that serious uh -huh. about it. You can hit me up on Facebook, yep. message me if you want to. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm not afraid to take a message from anybody, and uh, I'm there if you need somebody to talk to. Been there, done it. Appreciate it, brother. Amazing. Any closing words, Ginger? And see raw rocks. Yeah, thank you guys for coming. Appreciate it. Thank Recovery you. I appreciate it. Recovery is real. Recovery is definitely real. Mm -hmm. Life changing. Thanks for listening to NC Raw, North Carolina Recovery Always. The NC Raw family would like to thank today's musical contributors, Rival, whose work can be found on Facebook, SoundCloud, and YouTube by searching Rival727. And my dog, Alvin Hooks. You know Hooks? Mm, Alvin Hooks. Name sounds familiar. Yeah, I notes. I may have to put a pic to that. Notes on, uh, on Facebook and SoundCloud. Uh, we're going to close out the show with his latest track. He just texted to me today. It's another unreleased track titled No More Running. Thanks for listening. I'm not going to run no more. I'm going to make it through this storm. I know just what to do I'ma keep on pushing Keep on pushing I know I have my ways But I'm trying my best to change I'm slipping but I'm hanging on Hanging on And I can see those lights my life, man, I can't let it go. Gotta push, gotta tug, gotta pull by the rope. Soaked in the storm from my head and my toe. When I can't stop now, I can't run no more. Don't let it go, give it one more shot. All I got, look, I've been through a lot. Middle of the storm and the cold, no coat. Now I'm stepping on faith for the prayer and I hope. A grown man, bro, grown man things. Running through the rain, cause I'm tired of the pain. 12 months strong, looking for on the cane. Who gon' say that your boy won't change? Trials, problems, jails, and cases. Smiles, cries, better places. Streets below, skies above with the Lord in my life. When that life of a thug.
But now I'll try my best to change.